Hi, my name is James Taylor. And I'm Marcus Marks. And welcome to Bros Watch PL2. We're back for PLL The Perfectionist S1E7 Dead Week. Written by Paula Yu, directed by Arlene Sanford. The director of A Very Brightest Sequel. Among other things, yeah. Also many, many PLL episodes. Uh, and other shows too, of course. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the one that uh, Ashley Benson shadowed on? I believe so, I yes. believe. Yeah, I think this was the one that uh, they allowed uh, the cast visits for. Or not cast Mm. visits, um, set visits Mm. from various, you know, media companies. Oh, yes. So people got to ask, um, Haley Aaron, who the fuck are you on this show? Mm -hmm. And why is it a secret? Why is it such a goddamn secret? And uh, Eli Brown got to say, this is my first acting job. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I think before we get into the episode, tiny bit of follow-up. I uh, just wanted to say hey to uh, Slicky Spence, who left us a long comment on the website, um, mostly kind of talking about kind of like addressing like the, the weird, like kind of like low stakes in the show as compared to PLL. Like she's kind of comparing... When Hannah like goes off the rails and like bashes uh Null Khan over the head mm-hmm. versus when Caitlin does it. Mm-hmm. Like that's like season seven for Hannah and it's episode six for Caitlin. And it's like it just didn't really mean anything or not nearly as much because it's like it, we had we've had no time to get to know this character and know her limits or you know, it's just kinda like, okay, that happened and no one talked about it ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I basically agree, Sookie, I think we're all just Crossing her fingers and hoping that uh, it, it, it trajectories towards, that's not a word, you know, that it gets better. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the note that I was thinking about in the shower today, like, I think I've talked a little before about the relationship. I feel like there's between Joseph Doherty's writing and music, you know, and on PLL, you had Elijah Brass, who's like an actual singer. And this episode, which features like, Honest to God, Cello Crime and Secret Piano Lovers is written by an Honest to God musician. And I was thinking about how, how Norbuck talks about the dream logic of PLL. I almost feel like these shows have like also the logic of a song. You know, there's a story, there's rhymes, there's dancing about architecture. That's like it's primarily just a mood piece. And when it becomes the mood piece, basic logic does fall away. Like Dana Booker and, and just the fucking Mason of it all. Um I, I still say that PLL, it uh, inside of its own logic, it added up, and I don't feel like this show does. Mm, that's fair. With, I mean, with, at like, a certain point, like here and there, but yeah, I, I just think at a certain point, like it has to make some side of, kind of logical sense for character development, if nothing else, you know. Yeah, can't can't fully make that claim here. Yeah, um, I mean, I do think. Mostly, I have one really big problem this episode, but otherwise, I do think this episode is a big improvement. It actually, it seemed of a different caliber than the other episodes. Um, hmm, okay. With one big obsession. Um, it seems mm-hmm, like they mm-hmm. spent more money on this episode. There's like a lot more location. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, mean, I don't know how much that costs versus like, you know, going into the sewer or whatever. But like, I don't know, this, this to me felt like a more complete show than previous episodes. Well, I mean, there is a big pile of money, and it's the job of people like Norman Buckley to, all right, this episode gets this much money, and this episode gets that much money. So mm-hmm. I think 
<laughs> I think there's a reason why they're in a sewer and it looks the way it does in the previous one. But I mean, there's a lot of location shots in this. Like it, it feels like we're not just in the student union anymore. I mean, I don't know, maybe stuff like the fashion show, that's a lot. And so, you know, depends on, mm-hmm. on where the money's going. But this, this is the first episode to me that actually felt like they're in college. I mean, not not just because of the like uh, you know drink once a minute uh, every time they mention dead week mentions, but like Seriously. it just like like Mona going to like the um, the instrument uh, like the sound room place you know the where the mm. all the practice rooms were. It was like oh yeah, that's something they would have at college. We're not just in the student union anymore. Well, there's there's like a like a a realness that they just go for like the fucking nurses station in that episode. Um, that's a level of detail there that you can only get from a real hospital. And Caitlin's interview, like on PLL, they would have never, there'd be no point. It'd be, it's be something they wouldn't sacrifice the control over. And here they do it and it looks good. There's a real location back there. Right, it's not that they necessarily need locations, you know, real ones. I mean, PLL was entirely on sets, but like, I guess it's just the variety of it, you know? Mm. Um. Anyway. Let's get into the opening. Yeah. How about it? I don't know, by all means. Oh, you're too kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's your energy right now? Oh, it's fine. I'm on cold good. medicine. Doing good. Excellent. Uh, so the previous on package ends with Mona pondering aloud, how can Nolan Hotchkiss be at my apartment? And when we're there with Mona, she tenuously makes her way down the hallway in the dark to the door to her apartment. We see that she lives in apartment 14C. So her door- on campus, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think we've mused about that before. Um, she has a doorbell, and is that like a smart It looks doorbell? like a card reader. Okay. Well, I'll explain how we got into her place. Um, so the suspense music is playing, and sees, Mona sees that her door has been left ajar. She lets herself inside slowly. Um, her apartment's dark. She pokes her head inside, flips on the light switch. We kind of pan from like, the kitchen area. Over that dining room table to There's her computer a, area. A conspicuous beacon guard box uh, on the wall in that first shot where we see the inside of her place. It's also always there. Creepy little dolls, too. It's always there. It's always watching. Um, computer area to what is presumably like the, I guess, French doors probably leading to her bedroom. So we watch her. She like slowly and cautiously moves through the apartment. Uh, when she gets to the computer desk, it's like she senses something there. She flips on her like desk lamp. And see, there's like a dessert box waiting on the desk in front of the computer for it. It's square. It's too big to be a pie. So Mona summons her strength and flips the lid in the box, opening it. Inside are a bunch of cupcakes with white frosting on them. And some of them have red letters. So written across the frosting on all the cupcakes, they're spelled out in the assortment. Can we be pals? And at the bottom row of the cupcakes, two of them have brown eyeballs staring up at Mona. Uh, candy eyeballs? Question? Big tense music? Oh, shit. Yeah, they might just be like classic or something. Um, these look homemade. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of this? This is a very interesting, creepy idea that doesn't seem to be tied to a whole lot else. Well, if we're to believe the this is Dana, this is just really fucking weird. And like her character makes less and less sense each episode, you know? Well, I mean, like, like if, if, if it's not Dana, a, if it's, yeah, someone else. If you're new A and you're making overtures to team up with OGA, I get that. Um, but if there's a new A, new A needs to say they're new A. Like, I don't like this weird thing where they're just like, oh, I guess we should call them A. Like, no, you need, like, if you're going to go there, go there. Don't, you know, jump all the way in. 
I just my concern is that the show is like building up to something like some kind of crescendo in the finale where it's going to be like bum bum bum. We have a villain and we know who it is and they have a name and blah blah blah. And it's just like by that point, I don't know that you're getting yeah. renewed. And Professor that scares Granger, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Allison's boss who she's never interfaced with. Maybe that's who the villain is, just the professor. I feel like somebody's suggested that before. Yeah, sure. well, I think it's the finale is called "Enter the Professor," right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have be... I have my own theory about what's going on. I'll get to the, yeah? the episode. Mm -hmm. Okay, does it involve Ava? No. Okay, cool. Um, so the the new shot in the credits is these two shots linked together of like little Mona racing through the campus, hunting someone's gate. Um, and this yeah, is two shots, it, weirdly. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of interesting, like uh, what you're talking about, about the the scope of it or the the realness of it, the the college of it all. This also kind of matched, like, just divorced from the rest of their context. This felt very, I don't know, 1970s paranoia cinema to me. Like, like Mona could be running through all the president's men or something here. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It does make me think, just in terms of the budget, like, if there is a season two, I hope they have more or they have a way to shoot in a location more because, like, College campuses are creepy, and I feel like we haven't gotten a ton of that yet. But, like, I don't know, especially at night, just because there will always be kind mm. of a few people roaming around, but not a ton. And like, Especially in the woods? Yeah, and you're in the woods. Like, I mean, you know, on UC Santa Cruz, that was a creepy fucking campus. Like, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for intrigue and suspense there. I just, I, I think, yeah, never mind some of the logic. I think there's, there's a... a I don't know, for me personally, this is just me personally, there's a little bit of a tone issue. I would dial it a little bit more scary or a little, I don't know. I don't want to keep using the word paranoia, but like a little more tense throughout. Wasn't well, it supposed to be paranoid? Like the first episode kind of. Well, that's the thing is the first episode suggests that like the cameras are watching you be paranoid. There's like yeah. a secret organization in Mona's ear, like paranoia, paranoia, everyone's coming to get you. And then it just kind of wasn't there for the next few episodes. And it's Your like basic Harvey Danger aesthetic. The yeah. Logic of it. yeah. It's just like, are we supposed to be paranoid or not? It seems like we should be because there's this weird surveillance state that exists on this campus. But are we talking to mirrors? I don't few know. Yeah. characters really seem to react to it, even the ones who should know to. Well, like the point you, you brought up in the original PLO in season one is you can't quite put your finger on it until you do, but the camera, the way it would drift and the way it would start in scenes, it was very voyeuristic, but it mm -hmm. was not, not super overt. So I think like a teen audience who the show is geared for isn't fully picking up on it consciously, but you know, and the language of TV and cinema, like there, some part of them is picking it up on it. It should be more overt here because as you step into an adult world, especially now, like cameras are everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have increasingly less privacy than you realize whatever um yeah i don't know I mean, it, just in general i think this show like this episode i feel like is um it's a nicely constructed little house but it's still built on like poor foundations you know it's like it's still built on quicksand and the quicksand is like the initial concept for the show and i just i don't know how they reconcile that but sooner or later they're going to need to do something to kind of form it up underneath you know which is, there's a lot of great things about this show i mean it's a great cast um, I just don't know that they're being fully, fully utilized or, or in a way that's not going to like bring long-term dividends, you know? Mm -hmm. So after, so after the credits, um, we get an establishing shot of like this 
big old mansion and a forest. Uh, looks like a two or three story there. It's a big roundabout and all that. Nice looking place. Uh, we hear Ava say, so you were born like this? And then we cut inside. What's that? Like Lady Gaga said, you were born this way. Yeah. And inside, this is uh, Caitlin's like living room here. I, we'll talk about this in her living situation a sec. But anyways, uh, Dylan and Ava over there, seemingly for the first time, looking at all Caitlin's trophies on the mantle. Dylan's reading, it says, preschool spelling competition, first place. And she shrugs. And she's like, what can I say? Caitlin does. Uh, and she's wearing like a tracksuit in this scene. Looking very comfy. Um, what day do you think it is? How, how long do you think it's been since uh, <laughs> she got out of the hospital? I don't think I wrote it in my notes, but fuck, I'm very curious. Like, I think it's the next day. It might very well be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the episode wants you to believe it's a month later. But it little kind of continuity clues suggest that it, it may be the next day or the day after at most. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, we're entirely referring to things of the last episode, too. So if it's a month later, like, all they have to talk to Andrew about is the fashion show. Yeah. Yeah, but Caitlin, 100%, she had surgery for internal injuries from a car accident where she was run over. And the next day, she's just back at home in her tracksuit. Yeah, so Dylan says, I didn't even know how to spell mom in preschool. What a dunce. Uh, and then I probably <laughs> killed my family. And the other two, LOL at this. And Caitlin says, you guys don't even know the half of it. My mom taught me how to play Monopoly with a calculator. LOL. Wouldn't it be more impressive if they taught her to play Monopoly without a calculator? Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you mentioned that Ava's wearing a big Mildred Pierce coat here. Big yeah. red coat. Not yeah. exactly the red coat. but No, it's not the red coat. Well, I mean, is this, is this why some marketing genius on Instagram was just like, we should have her admiring the red coat? I don't know what the marketing genius is a free form <laughs> up to. I seriously don't. I need to know about the ostinato of it all. <laughs> mm. uh, Ava says, where is your mom? I wanted to tell her that I voted her for her during the midterms. What a kiss ass. And Caitlin goes over and sits on the couch, kind of deflated. The other two follow. And Caitlin says, she already flew back to D.C. Civic duty never sleeps. Let's see. It's like May, I guess, they're in session. Yeah. Right, no, no, it's like uh no, it should be fall. like November here, right? Yeah. So I mean, or is it November? Did, even. did she just vote? That's a good question, yeah. Maybe well, like, it's, if it's November 19, then maybe she voted a year ago. Oh yeah, who the fuck knows? I mean, like <laughs> how long has it been since the last episode? I mean, it should be like I don't know, early December, right? If it's dead week. I don't know. Yeah, it would make sense. I think it's actually dead week right now, like the spring semester. But mm, mm. anyway. Uh, dead week. Take a shot. Dead week, yeah. Ava says, are you okay with that? I know what it's like to be on your own. And Caitlin says, honestly, it's fine. I have to prep for my interview today. And besides, it's dead week. Take a shot. I'm already so behind on my work, even though I got some extensions. Dylan says, because you got hit by a car. And Ava says, Caitlin, you should really take it easy. That was yesterday. Uh, then Caitlin says, if you guys were me, would you be taking it easy? And he was like, well, and she kind of like does this weird, like, I don't know, head roll look or something like that. Is it me or is Sophia Carson just like, I don't know, incredibly, how do I put this, like seductive? Like there's just something like just overwhelmingly charming about her. I don't know if I would go that far. I feel like she's been digging into the uh, intensity of her character more than the other two actors. 
like there's a there's a massive sea change between like her original Ava and like Ava the last few episodes. Well, I feel like Sydney Park is giving us like a a kind of naturalistic performance mm-hmm. where it's like this this seems like a human being, and then yeah, Ava and, uh, is like, oh, I'm on PLL, you know? Yeah. Well, and they're both they're they're interesting, but it's kind of funny that we've gotten such a Ava Dylan dynamic in the last few weeks. So it's like you're not even getting to play the Sydney Ava, you know, mixture of it all together. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I don't know where Dylan. I guess Dylan's maybe like the exact middle of the two. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> I, I could use I could use some more something from him. He just yeah. kind of seems there to to be bounced off of. Yeah. Ugh, fucking Andrew. and mumble. Uh, anyway, where are we at? Um, so. Dead week, dead week, deadly week. Caitlin says, I thought so. Ava says, they call off classes for a reason. And she takes off her big coat to reveal kind of like a slinky plaid dress underneath. Ava says, I have four midterms, turning in an art history project, two papers, and I'm lighting candles until I hear back from Vogue. That's not, is that Ava? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't even remember that dialogue. Uh, so she's kind of slides on the couch next to Caitlin. Dylan, he's like four midterms, two on the same day, three essays, a musical recording, and and he kind of does a little point at her and says, "You're lighting an extra candle until I hear back from the Seattle Symphony." And she does this kind of weird little head tilt, like she's listening and kind of effortlessly lowers it. You know, you read these weird descriptions about Sophie Carson that she writes. So she's like, it's it's kind of asking. She's got her head in this way where it's like, it's in like position A where she's like listening to him. And then it just goes down to position B, like, got it. It's it's adorable. She's adorable. Mm, okay. Carry on. Got it. Uh, Dylan says, God, when I say it out loud, it does sound like a lot. And Caitlin is this close to shaking her head, maybe shaking her head and whispering amateurs under her breath. Ava says, don't forget to add that we're being stalked and tortured by Dana Booker. And you think that she says it with a sweet, sarcastic smile. Mm-hmm. And Dylan says who we think hit Caitlin with a car. And Caitlin says, we cannot let Dana distract us this week. We know that she wants to divide and conquer, so we win by sticking together. It's not going to be easy, but we just have to keep our heads down and get our work done. We'll focus on Dana after Dead Week. Deal? Dave says, deal. And Drink! Dill says, smack me if you hear me say Dana's, Dana's name. Yeah, that'd be fun. There's uh, a lot of exposition there, but it's basically like, here's the new stakes of the episode, Dead Week. Mm-hmm. Ignore mm-hmm. Dana. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, in Allison's place, she's like chilling with Taylor. Taylor is going to spend this episode dressed like a like a very chic Marlon Brando from from The Wild Ones, I think it is. Um, Allison seems frustrated and glances back over her shoulder at that, that beacon guard box on the wall behind her. And she's like, what do I do about that? And Taylor's like... Do you really think I'd be here if we needed to be afraid of it? And I feel like Allison's like, well, I do now. Oh, I mean, that's, that's an odd line. Like, is this just a lampshade or something? Because it's so, like, weren't you totally paranoid about this, Taylor? I don't know. I mean, I should do this after the scene, but let's do it right now. Yeah. I feel like Haley Aaron is playing her character like she's trolling Allison the whole time. I mean, I... Like, there's like a falseness to it. I mean, you were, you mentioned later in your notes, and I totally agree. Like, if if she's supposed to be played as untrustworthy, like full stop, I don't know if that fully comes across in the episode. But I do kind of – that kind of like fake sincerity when you like think someone's full of shit and you just act like everything they say is amazing. I kind of get that vibe from her. I don't know if I know? get so much that. It just – it seems like what she's saying is incongruous with what we know. And so it's like, 
So is she doing a put on, you know, like we saw her being all weird and crazy in the cabin and the pilot, like they're watching you, whoever this mysterious they is. And now Mm. she's like, no, everything's fine. And it's like, okay, I guess we, the audience knows that you may be lying about this. We think unless this box really is nothing to do with your weird conspiracy that you're involved in. Like, it's like, I just don't know, you know, and Allie is clueless to all this. And so like her reaction doesn't really help us. You're right. We just don't know. See, that's what the vibe I get from her. Um, so Taylor says it's just like zipping up a bag, and then Taylor starts like folding a blanket from the couch, implying that I guess she slept on the couch the night before. Uh, and Taylor continues with the box is a smart monitor. It knows when you're home, when you open your doors and windows. It can sense fires and floods. It'll send you a notification if there's an on-campus emergency, and it's a kick-ass Wi-Fi router. So she brings some of the corners of the blanket to Allison as they fold it. You know, have her help her finish the folding thing, like. Like Buffy and Faith counting down from 730. Uh, and Allison's like, I just want to make sure that you're going to be okay and safe when I'm gone, which is going to be a lot because it's dead week. Dead week. Yeah. Taylor's like, one thing I did not miss out on at, at BHU. And Allison's like, I knew it was going to be stressful for the students, but no one told me it was going to be stressful for faculty too. I mean. I wonder if it really it, would. Yeah. I don't know. Is it for Allison? <laughs> Allison, he's just a TA. Has Allison ever met her professor yet? Timeline wise, Allison spends like 12 hours getting lunch at one point in this episode because um, of the edit. So the, um, I just gonna say like the the occupations and the setting here, it seems like they want it both ways. They want it to be like high school and they also want mm-hmm. it to be college for like, mm-hmm. I don't know, age reasons. And they also want Allie to be a teacher, but then they also don't want her to be too much of a teacher. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like I just it's it's stressful. Well, also, there's an actual thing of like, hey, so-and-so character. You know so-and-so character, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I do. And of it's course like, I do. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you have no fucking clue what that person is. Unless you met them at a party. No, fuck that. Um, so Taylor just tosses the blanket on the back of the couch. And Taylor's like, pro tip, wine helps. And Allison's like, LOL, I'm divorced. Don't worry. I'm living on wine. Uh, so Taylor chuckles. And she's like, thank you for letting me crash here. My life is about to go viral once my mom makes her public statement. And Allison's like, what is Claire going to tell the media? Because Allison does have some experience with this. Like, she would be a great media consultant here, but alas. Taylor's like, exactly what I told her, that I couldn't handle the pressure here. Ironic, considering I came back during dead week. But I'm sure my mom already has the BHU public relations office working overtime to spin doctor the unfortunate timing. And Allison says, well, Claire does have to protect the reputation of the school, but I, I know she's happy you're back. And Taylor gives her this look like, do you? So Allison goes over the table, starts pouring them both some coffee. Taylor says, I think you're right, but it will take time for her to earn my trust. For now, you're the only one who knows why I really faked my death. Which I just feel like you're being conned, Allison. Well, Allison immediately spills other people, too. Yeah. Allison's like, when I disappeared, I was afraid of my mom. But you don't need to be afraid of yours. Also, there's a much larger story about my mom. I watched Claire mourn. She was broken. She was getting I guess yeah. she was getting drunk in your living room to feel close to you, sure. But like, I I feel like if you were to like just show somebody the first three or four episodes of the show and be like, "Is Claire Morning?" They'd be like, "No." Let me just say, we all aspire to look as good as Claire Hotchkiss on a bad day. <laughs> She's yeah, fucking she living seemed it. like oddly robotic, and yet Allie yeah. is like, I felt it deeply and personally how crushed she is. It's like, yeah, okay, if you say so. Allison's like, if there's one thing I know, Taylor, it's projection, which I've been doing a shit ton of. 
Um, she was broken. She was getting drunk in my living room to feel close to you. And Taylor's like, so dramatic. And it's like, she says it in such a hilarious way that I can't tell if that's earnest or sarcastic as fuck. I think um, just maybe just kind of making fun of her mom there is, I think, what mm-hmm. she's doing. So dramatic. So Allison, like, or uh, Allison Sofa makes a beep, she checks it, and she's like, trying to schedule a FaceTime with Grace and Lily. It's like the UN trying to schedule a G7 summit. And Taylor's like, yeah, that's the kind of analogies that we use. Yeah, sure, sure. Taylor says, don't be so hard on yourself. You're a working mom. Your kids will appreciate how hard you've worked for them. Um, <laughs> As we all know, children totally care about how much their parents work. Yeah, Especially they really, like three it, years old. It means something to them. Oh, yeah, you, dad, had, it was okay, dad. You missed my game because uh, you're working really hard. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all heard Cats in the Cradle, Allison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know how this ends. <laughs> um, so Allison's like, I'm really glad that you trust me enough to come back and you praised my <laughs> shitty parenting skills. And Taylor's like, my brother trusted you. That's enough for me. Again, are you being trolled? <laughs> Allison's like, we do have a lot in common. What? <laughs> it's like my brother trusted you. You remember he talked to you one time and it's kind of vaguely shitty. Yeah. He trusted you. Yeah. He said something super ominous to you, which was super fucking weird. You shouldn't have trusted anyone in my family after that. And then he may have tried to call you later. Yeah, it's... But just the, we do have a lot in common. It's such a weird way to end the scene. You know what it is? I feel like the show is like, it's like being gaslit. It's like, no, that didn't happen. But the show insists that it did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. If they just started working, like, scenes we had never seen before in the yeah. previously on segment, that'd be great. Uh, so Remember when Mona taught that uh, that guest lecture for that fencing class? Yeah, seriously. They, they might as well. <laughs> so yeah. Caitlin's living room. The perfectionists are studying. Caitlin and Dylan are on the couch. Ava's doing that thing where she sits on the floor while using her laptop, which is up on the table. She likes to sit on the floor. That seems to be her thing. Mm. Dylan has his paperback copy of it, and then there were none in hand. They're still working on that book, apparently. Uh, Ava says, you know, I have to admit I was wrong about this 20th century mystery lit class being an easy A. Is that a real class? Okay. That's that. I mean, I would definitely sign up for that class. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, we're reading, uh, and then there are none. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want I want like the finale that we find out that Caitlin, well, I guess she wouldn't fail, but like she gets like just as far to like a perfect score because for some reason she wrote down in her essay portion that she thought that the main character's name is Justice. <laughs> and I was like, I don't it's know why you're doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had everything else right, but I'm gonna give you an F because I don't think you understood a fucking word. Yeah. Yeah, Caitlin says, why would you think that? And Ava says, well, what the fuck? No. Uh, Dylan says, I did too. But now we're analyzing the issues of feminist identity in the works of Agatha Christie. Man, good luck with that. Uh, mm. Speaking of which, uh, Allison's walking in, escorted in by a gentleman in a suit. Caitlin's got a butler. Allison says, thank you to the butler. And then to Caitlin, she says, you got a big house. Dylan says, class is really hard. And Allison just gets a very polite, don't give a fuck smile says, I came here to tell you something. And they kind of get serious. says, the press is camped out outside the Hotchkiss estate waiting on Claire's official statement. But I wanted you to hear it from me first. Taylor is alive. Caitlin's like, what? Ava says, we were at her funeral. I mean, I guess she was there with Nolan. I don't know. It's weird because it seems like Taylor There was a comment that somebody, one of them cried at the funeral. Yeah, yeah. I guess Caitlin would sort of know Taylor. Dylan is... seemingly never met taylor or maybe he has like in passing well caitlin grew up with her yeah 
I feel like Ava's the question. I mean, she's probably maybe met her once or twice. <laughs> In the mysterious timeline of how long these characters have known each other. Yeah, but Alice or Ava says, we're at her funeral, and Allison's like, big whoop, I've been to three of my own funerals. <laughs> and then she says, I know it's a lot to process, but she faked her suicide. Caitlin's like, I grew up with Taylor, and she loved her family. Why would she do this? Ava looks particularly stricken here, and she says, and how could she do this to them? Nolan was devastated when she died. And Allison's like, yeah, Nolan knew she was hiding and helped her. He didn't tell you, boom. And he was like, he knew? And Dylan's just kind of scratching his head, which you're reading like a, a potential beast being unleashed. For a second there, that's what I thought. I was just like, oh, shit. Because, I mean, like, I feel like another person has, like, lied or kept something from Ava, and then they just kind of blow over it. And you got that from him scratching his head? Well, I... I sure. I, I'm just trying to follow your notes here, because sometimes they go in weird directions. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be really excited about the tenor of the scenes when we, if we do like word for word your notes later on this episode. Oh, by all means. It gets very angry. <laughs> very hateful. Are you okay? Like I said, I had a real big problem with certain development in this episode. Hey, everyone. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Allison says, he was trying to keep you safe. And he was like, safe from what? And I say, no, seriously, safe from what? Uh, Allison says, Taylor's told Claire that she disappeared because she couldn't handle the pressure, but that's not the truth. And Ava's just shaking her head in disbelief, and Dylan says, well, what is the truth? Spill that fucking tea, Mrs. D. And Allison says, someone tried to kill her. It'd be great if at some point we'd get a flashback to exactly what that was. You know what I mean? The first secret? Yeah, just like what? Okay, someone, forces are against you. Like, how did you know what happened? You know? Mm-hmm. How, how concerned our, should, how paranoid should we be? Our bullshit theory from a couple episodes ago that she just came home and found they're watching and just yeah. like, ah! <laughs> uh, so the, the perfectionists all make these like individual woe faces and Allison says, this stays between us. Do you understand? Um, you're wondering if the reaction shots here matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin and Dylan are nodding to this and then Ava asks a serious question. What did well, anything started, stand out to you in the reaction shot? I started to like read into like I don't know. I've I've kind of ponder every once in a while like could a particular one of the perfectionists be guilty if not like an A figure could they have been guilty of trying to kill someone like like Nolan or what have you? And so for part of the scene, I started to wonder like I don't know could Ava be like a killer or the killer, an attempted killer? I can so. only buy her at least so far. The other two just. I feel like we just haven't gotten that. That's, that. that's why I was like kind of reading into like the editing of, of the reaction shots to Allison's news here. Um, because right. she, she asked, do you think the person who tried to kill Taylor is the same person who killed Nolan? Like basically like, what do you know? What do you suspect? So that's why I was like, oh, I guess it could still be Ava. I mean, I guess you could say that um, Caitlin did just like randomly bash Mason over the head with a fire poker. So maybe she has it in her. Maybe that's what the point of that was. I feel like his head should be a little more dented too. Seriously. Um, anyway, so Ava's Ava's asking if she thinks the person who tried to kill Taylor is the same person who tried to kill Nolan. Allison says, now that Taylor's back, I'm hoping she can help us find out. Maybe one day we'll actually do some investigation. And Dylan says, there's something that you need to know, Allison. <laughs> for a second, he thought she was going to chastise him for using her first name. Yeah, she probably should. It's Mrs. Taylor Rentis, bitch. Dylan says, we think it was Dana who ran over Caitlin. And just off screen, we hear Mona saying over the cut, you think it's Dana? Well, so 
logistically, how does this work? Because Allison just like, hold that thought. Let's get in the car. Don't say anything else. We're going to pick up this conversation right where we're leaving off. We just need to drive over to Mona's house. And they're like, why? (laughs) We're studying. (laughs) Oh, you're about to get studied. (laughs) So, yeah, cut to Mona's place. Mona's and Allison are, Mona and Allison are holding court in the kitchen, dressing down the perfs who are there to take their medicine. Like Dylan's like sitting like at a chair in between like two tables there, like like half near the wall, half that dining room table. Ava's like standing in the middle of the other two, and Kane's like leaning against a chair in that dining room S table, uh, wearing her tracksuit, looking very comfy. And Mona's just like, two days ago, you were all 100% convinced that Mason killed Nolan and hit Caitlin with a car. But you were dead wrong, pun intended. And full disclosure, Someone else is acting suspiciously, and she turns to Allison. And it's just like Taylor. Did so, she, like, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense if she thinks Taylor's the one in her house. So Mona even says here two days ago. So we can assume yeah. like a day passed. This is not the next day from the last episode, but like one more day passed. I just feel like maybe Caitlin shouldn't be moving as much as she is. Yeah, I get the tracksuit now, but but. I don't know. So Allison's like, what's your issue with Taylor? And Mona's like, somebody left me a box of cupcakes last night. And Dylan's like, and that's a problem? So Mona puts up a finger like, I'm glad you asked, funny boy. Chandler Bing. She grabs that box, marches over to him, and she's like, want one? He's kind of a little scared of her now. Like, no, thank you. And she's seeing the can we be pals. And she's like, mm-hmm. She marches the box back over there like, to resume her spot on the other side of the island with Allison. She's like, they used Nolan's ID card to access my apartment. And Allison's like, how would you know that? And Mona's like, ah, it's still Taylor's RV. I hid it in the woods. Also, does Nolan just have access to everyone's apartment then? <laughs> it really helps gathering secrets and clues. Also, dropping the loads. Uh, Allison's like, you what? And they even came in to make these big, like, OMG reactions. And Mona's like, it's like a mini beacon car. And Allison's like, Mona, I've seen the camper. It's junk. Mona folds her arm over her chest. And she's like, remember that underground dollhouse I was trapped in? <laughs> and I feel like Allison's like, how dare you always bring that up for everything? <laughs> What's the fucking travesty with you, man? <laughs> so Mona's like, it looked like a bunker from the outside. And they was like, okay, we have to Google these guys. And she like leans over a chair, which like Dylan has his arm on. So it's like a very familiar gesture. Caitlin kind of leans in. Caitlin's like, yeah. Which, I don't know. This moment, sure, it was like seven episodes in though. I feel like the probably coming the a little late, but you know, sure. Well, I feel like in they had like the scene from like the preview from the next week. Like they're steering more and more into the PLL of it all, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's wise. So I mean, seemingly these. I mean, this was written a long time ago, so it's not like they're reacting necessarily to like right, right. Audiences, yeah, this but. this was a a conscious purpose decision. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mona's like, you won't find anything. We were minors. Those records are sealed. So a lot of people freaked out about like the body count and the sheer number of crimes that happen and how could those records be it's sealed. It's absolutely impossible, but sure. I think I think what I've got took from it was that essentially their names as teenagers were redacted. That's mm. weren't they like on the cover of a newspaper? I think they might have been for for like something about like did they lie or something like that. Yeah one um I, I think, yeah but, i think that they put your picture on the newspaper they're probably using your name well, i don't know man who understands it i mean it, it's it's a lampshade basically those records are sealed i don't know why they need the lampshade i almost wanted like the double lampshade of like one of them to be like nope just found it you know or something like yeah. that just 
I don't know, something well, to, to brush it under the table. Here's the thing, though. I think the reason why is part of Ava's backstory that she's dragging like an like an elephant on a piano through the show is the whole thing with her dad, and then like the press hounded her at school, and she was outed, and all that stuff. Uh, Mona and Allison's drama trumps that like a thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely. So if the world absolutely knows who these superheroes are, you know, like if Peter Parker's unmasked here, like they're going to be following them day and night, especially like now that Nolan's died, fucking Nancy Grace or whoever has replaced Nancy Grace is going to be on campus every day. Um, so I guess I'm like, fine with just not mentioning it, but like, I don't know. I need a little more of a lampshade, I guess, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just ignore it. Be like, okay, fine. We're just, we're just going to pretend the records are sealed. Okay. Yeah. So don't let me down here. Dylan says, where did you grow up? And they say, Rosewood, Pennsylvania. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Say it with me, but fuck it. Whatever. Oh, sorry. Um, Allison Damone is like, you remember when A made Hannah eat all those cupcakes? Why did my thing autocorrect Hannah for second age? Anyway, made Hannah eat all those cupcakes? That's a weird line, right? Yeah, well. You weren't there, Allie, for one. Yeah, yeah, but Mona's like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And then she has this kind of like guilty smirk, like. How dare you always bring that up? Let's well, also me. remember when you made Hannah eat all those cupcakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, it's like Allison saying it like she watched the show. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think she's one hundred percent like sticking to Mona. So Caitlin's like, "Who's A?" So Mona just like throws her hand up, owning it, everything that comes with it. It's kind of campy and silly and cute. But she's just like, boom, right here. It's fun so, for the audience. This can't make any sense to Ava and Caitlin and Dylan. No, no. Ava and Dylan are like snickering about this all on their own. And Ava quietly says to Dylan, she's like, hey? And then I was like, it was a long time ago. It was a game that got out of hand. And <laughs> a like lot of dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. Allison's like snorting with laughter, shaking her head like, oh, Mona, you stinker. Remember Mrs. Potter's nephew? So he died violently at my hand. Whatever. Um, Mona continues like we were kids Dana's an adult and like a snarky aside to Allison she says she's not an A and Dylan's like I'm lost as a new fan mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I lost. didn't watch PLL what's going on I mean it's yeah it's incredible fan service for fans ish <laughs> this is this is end game right here um, I don't know if this works for brand new viewers I just don't know but Allison's like think of A as a bully who makes a game out of watching you squirm and Ava's like, oh, you mean like Dana? And Dylan's like, Dana's a total A and a B. How did we prove it? And Dylan deserves a smack according to the rules. Um, McCain's like, great, guys. Just one more thing to add to my to-do list for ha-ha, dead week. By the way, I did a search uh, 13 times in the episode. Wow, Jesus. And that's that's in the episode, not in our notes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Allison's like, no, you three focus on your studies. For now, the best cover you have is to act normal, bitches. Uh, and Caitlin's like, like, it's a, like, once again, no, no, no. Leave the interesting plot lines to us. You just go to school. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're going to do something stupid or for you guys, something. Mm-hmm. And then you should probably check in with us. Um, Caitlin's got maybe a little fatalism, maybe a little attitude. She's like, well, if you're giving us permission, who are we to argue? So they turn to get their bags. And like Dylan stands up and he's like, and what's more normal than studying our asses off, right? And Allison's like, exactly. I'll speak to Taylor. And if we can trust her. And she'll help us figure out who killed Nolan. We can hand that person over to Dana on a silver platter. And so it's like it's like this Schrodinger's thing where it's like Dana is both A and not A. Like she's legitimate law enforcement and not legitimate law enforcement. And maybe Taylor is untrustworthy or maybe not. I guess they think they can't trust her. 
because she didn't tell Allie about the camper? Well, we haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone was like, and I'm going to find out who left me those cupcakes. <laughs> she makes an adorable pain face like, I really hope it's not Dana. And Ava's like, why? And I was like, because she's on the inside. And to Allison, she says, and I hope I'm wrong about Taylor. And Ken's like, and why is that? And Allison gets it and she translates. She's like, because if it is Dana, then we need somebody on the inside too. And Taylor's a hotchkiss. How more, how more inside can you get? So, you know, more reaction shots of the perfs. Dylan's nodding his head. So you're saying that the fact that the miners involved in the PLL would have their part redacted makes sense to you. But I feel like it's, it's kind of setting up um, Booker's gaslighting later about the deer story. Deer and the teen. Yeah, how? I mean, it's I still... What I mean, like, just, I don't know, there's the notion is there. I don't know. It's, it's okay. been spit onto the world so, like, you won't challenge it as much or you'll accept that it's a thing that's being forced down your throat. Even though, regardless of that person being a teenager, like, they did hit Caitlin. Like, there yeah, would be some... sue them. Yeah. 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 Anyway, after the commercial, we're in student union. Ava is holding a puzzle piece, which we get a close-up on. It looks like it's part of a painting. And Ava says, a puzzle is a new perspective on how to unravel that. And then she's cut off by Zach. He's like busting a table and says, save the grade grubbing goody two-shoes act for class, please. Burn. Uh, they've been paired for an assignment. Uh, Zach's on duty, though. He's like a uh, busboy in the cafeteria. He's just like picking up, you know, cups and trash and shit. Got a little uniform shirt with a name tag on. Uh, no fucks given. Yeah, he's a, he's a real just, I hate you and I don't care. Mm-hmm. Ava's got her textbook. She's very earnestly you know, ready to do this assignment. And she says, hey, I'm not the one who paired us. And he says, forced. And she says, together for this midterm. And Zach's taking away dishes, just kind of show his disinterest in this bullshit. You know, he's like, I just don't understand how they expect us to figure out what painting this puzzle piece is supposed to represent. What's so wrong with multiple choice? Oh, now I have to get stuck with the creative professor. I mean, this is supposed to be like super, super fancy, like smart people college, right? Like, yeah. I think you're not going to get multiple choice. And it should be a college that just churns out A's, right? And like, like, yeah, like there should never be a multiple choice test, you know, like, uh, it should be all like essays and, you know, projects. Anyways, Ava says the brushstrokes are broad. They're loose, kind of like 19th century French realism. And Zach says a painting like that needs talent. And no, I think he's saying it, it's, uh, looks Italian or something like that. Like oh, okay. they, or they, there's also paintings like that in the Italian Renaissance. Uh, and then he looks past her and he's like, shit. And Ava says, relax, it's it's just an art history. And we see what angered him. It's like a little small mess and like a tipped over coffee cup got spilled on the table in the next uh, row over there. And this is just the worst for him. So Literal holocaust for him. Sure. Yeah. Like one ounce of fluid. Oh, fuck. I have to wipe. Oh. I don't know who the asshole is who left that, though. I mean, come on. But uh, so yeah. he's got to go clean that up. And as he does this, Ava's kind of following. Uh, he's still talking. He says, I've got four midterms, a term paper, the stupid puzzle piece, and a paper we're supposed to write about it. Don't tell me to relax. And she's like, you know, let's just do an online internet search. I've coded search parameters before. I can easily write a program, scan this puzzle piece, and we'll have so much more time for other classes. And best of all, you won't have to see me. I wonder if you could just like put that into a Google image search and skip all the yeah. coding. Yeah, I think you just like reverse image search, right? <laughs> cool. Uh, 
So yeah. Anyway, she's nice and adorable, and also a hacker. Remember that? Remember her channel? <laughs> I wonder how that yeah, channel's which, going. Is that thing just like floundering? <laughs> yeah. How, how does she still update it? Are people yeah. wondering if she like commits suicide or something. Yeah. She's just like, oh, my SEO is fucked. Zach is not impressed. He says, that's cheating. Why am I surprised though? Of course you take the easy way out. Just like your dad. Fuck you. <laughs> and he storms off. Like, throw the dishes. coffee in her face. Yeah. Ava's still holding a puzzle piece. It's just like, what the fuck? Uh, and then Dylan marches up to her and he's like, I think I'm screwed. She's like, aren't we all? High five. Uh, and then Dylan says, well, at least you're not getting an incomplete grade. And Ava says, oh my God, you are screwed. And Dylan says, I know. I mean, I need more time to record my solo piece as a midterm project for my acoustical engineering class. But Professor James, hi, says he has t- uh, to consider giving me an extension. I mean, wouldn't they? I don't know. May I guess your professor might think you're just faking it. He didn't get hit by a car. And then just to make it clear to us, he starts like rubbing his hand, the palm of his hand, because I guess it's his hand that really hurts now. And he says, is this about your hand? And he says, it hurts to play. I didn't listen to the doctor when he told me to take a break, and now I'm paying the price. Yeah, way to go, asshole. And Ava says, why don't you just tell your professor? I'm sure he'll understand. And he says, if he finds out that I can't play, it could jeopardize my scholarship. I'm sure. Is that how scholarships work? I don't know. Apparently it is a BHU. I mean, I don't know how that works with like football. Like If you just completely blow out your knee, I assume you're good maybe for the year, but then like next year you might be screwed. I'm not sure how that works. I don't know. But like later on, he has to explain to Allison, the TA who grades shit, how an incomplete works. Mm-hmm. You would have thought she would have been briefed on that. So she's grading shit. And she's gone to college. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Ava says, what do you mean he can't play? It, it's not permanent, is it? He just shrugs. He's like, I don't know yet. Seems pretty chill. Yeah. He doesn't seem that bothered. Not super bothered. He's mostly bothered just about his incomplete. Yeah. And that fucking Professor James. Well, doesn't an incomplete imply that it could be completed i'm not sure how that works i guess it depends i on mean the it, it, he's making it sound just like i won't be able to save face it's like because allison's like you just take it again next semester it's like that, yeah. that makes sense yeah anyway anyway it was just she sees an opportunity for guilt and she pounces she says this is my fault i should never have asked you to play at my fashion show it's definitely not your fault and he says this has nothing to do with you i overextended myself i'm a teenage martyr bad habit i'm trying to kick Speaking of bad habits, here comes a big one. Andrew comes walking up behind Ava, and he's like, hey. And Dylan says, hey, and the audience falls asleep. <laughs> and Ava mm. just turns and stands awkwardly between them. Yes. Yes. This entire exchange is like, yes. hey, hey, Ava, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? It's oh, like love clearly <laughs> like they need to talk. But no, you're just going to stand there. I don't know if it's like she thinks it's going to be tense. And so if she, or like she's going like, to stay between them. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Like, awkwardness just fucking fuels me. <laughs> I need it to make my fashion. <laughs> yeah, so Dylan says to Andrew, he says, did, uh, did, you, uh, did you get my text? Andrew's like, yeah, didn't make it. Dylan's like, no shit. And then Andrew to Ava says, congratulations, I heard you rocked it. And Ava beams, and she's like, thanks, Dylan rocked it. He should have seen him. Andrew says, uh, well, I got to go. Ancient Roman architecture is calling my name. And he marches off. And Dylan just kind of crumbles into a chair, ready to wallow. And he says, he totally hates me. And Ava leans in, just kind of turning it on and cheering him up. She says, no, it's a fine line between love and hate. He only hates you because he loves you. And Dylan just stares at her, pondering that. It's no fan of face, for sure. Like, just imagine 
like Hannah's there. And so she's like, here's what I think you're going for. Watch what I do. Mm-hmm. And she just like stares off for 20 minutes. And then he tries it and she's like, mm, no. She's like, I don't. Is it, is it too late to recast this guy? <laughs> when, do, when are we doing crafting? Is it lunch yet? <laughs> uh, so back in Caitlin's living room and her, her massive fucking house. She has a butler. Like this, I don't know. For some reason, it shouldn't, but this somehow changes my whole perspective of Caitlin. Is she is she a commuter? Seriously, how far away does she live? At one point, she mentions living on campus for a week, like to study. Does that mean she also has a campus apartment? And she just no, like I, I presume she just means through the studying and well, she wouldn't be going to class because there's no class. Yeah, but I guess the studying and I guess the interviews on campus, and also there's the new trendy burger place well, i just wondering if does she literally mean all the, i i can live on campus or maybe she means staying at jeremy's or just figuratively yeah it's like it's this is jeremy living on campus <laughs> yeah has she just been coming here every night because like where did she go so in the pilot like in the, the three split apart and like we don't know exactly where they were for like you know 15 minutes or whatever where did she go was she like headed to her car to drive home to her i don't know she she I'm going to guess no matter where her house is, she's not driving anywhere home, no matter how close it is. And then suddenly ending up magically back at the scene of the crime. I mean, she wouldn't have made it there for sure. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm we'll watch this with great interest. You know, like where, where exactly does Caitlin live? Mm-hmm. It would make more sense. I guess if she was like walking to Jeremy's place, which is like just off campus or something. So I don't, Jeremy's not, faculty he just works for the company so i don't think he'd have like like faculty housing or anything but their whole cover story is that he is just going to run into her at the student union the college that is run by the people run the company which it's like what are you doing here buddy let's do research there are you a guest lecturer on rocket science or satellites that read people's brains or whatever the fuck also she has a butler she has a guy who buttles for a living um whatever so back in her living room, she's looking at some of these like note cards you can buy for quizzing yourself while studying. And this one says, a formal gathering of all party members is a prompt. And the answer is a party caucus or conference. Wouldn't think she would need help studying this at all, but she's she's doing it. So we see those cards on the table in front of the couch. We kind of pan up to Caitlin on the couch. Sign the answers, proud of herself. She says, ending birthright citizenship. That was a previous answer, I should point out. But she says, ending birthright citizenship of an executive order is unconstitutional. Thanks to the 1898 case of the United States versus Wong King Ark, which established an important precedent regarding the 14th Amendment. And she's like, necktie. Next to her is Jeremy, who's stripping for every correct answer she gets, which I would think would give you nine questions, maybe 10, depending on the article of clothing. I mean, do you count like each shoe separately, each sock, yeah, you know, seeing, yeah. It's me figuring out each sock separately, each shoe separately. I mean, I don't know. If oh, like, yeah, like a vest. coat and a vest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, darling. I wore four coats over here, just like you requested. <laughs> <laughs> Could I be wearing any more clothes? Um, so anyways, Jeremy's in his boxers, but wearing a bun- some lunges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wearing a bun up shirt and a tie still. And he's like, this is so not fair. So he takes off the tie and playfully tosses it in her face. And she's like, oh, well, if you haven't, stu- well, you haven't stumped me yet. And I'm so going to ace this internship interview. And he's like, mm-hmm, you are as smart as a whip. And she's like, I see what you did there. Congressional puns make me hot. So he like leans forward, wanting to get serious. Also, the amount of time that her parents are gone. This the whole place palace. must be covered in sex. Oh, yeah. 
like I get now. I guess I understand now why she needs the butler. Like he's just got to put rooms off off limits while he just like I don't know deep cleans everything. He's just got like the spray bottle of bleach. Yeah, the hose where they hose down elephants, but it's like bleach for all the the British fluids. Um, he leans forward like getting serious. He's like, now look. You're one answer away from winning. Then you're going to keep your promise, right? We're going to talk about Taylor. And she looks away, like not into this. And he's like, I've never met her, which I feel like is a suspicious thing for me to add. But I can't believe she's alive. How could mm-hmm. she do that her mother? And she's like, I guess daughters disappoint their mothers, just like mothers disappoint their daughters. He's like, I know it must be disappointing to keep a secret from your other mom, but you have to keep feel better knowing it's off your chest. Also, I see that you just made it about you. And she's like, I don't feel better. I mean, it's going to come out. Dana knows. And he's like, broke your rule. You said Dana. And she's like, damn her. <laughs> I wonder if she told her mom about that. that Dana Why the knew. fuck? Uh, Dana would have been fired. Because that was what, what her mom cared about. She's also, like, how did you find out? Who told you? You know, who knows? All of this have like influenced her opinion of Claire as the employer of Dana. Yeah. Or she- or is she on, on ice with with Claire because I guess of the whole... I guess they're kind of on ice. The rat thing. Um, mm-hmm. So Jeremy grabs another card. He reads it, decides, fuck it. Fuck it. Tosses on the rest. And he stands, faces her, starts unbuttoning his shirt. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, like, you won't be able to answer that question about congressional term limits. So he gets his shirt off and it's like just British abs. And she's like, oh my. So like some what sex you, music starts playing what do you the think soundtrack. Of that That's not my style. They almost look like super short boxers. They're kind of like a weird middle there. Mm, like boxer mm, briefs, you know? Mm, mm. All black. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not my style either. Guys have weird underwear styles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, game over. That's and a shaved like, chest, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you think so? You think he's shaving it? He's not. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, now that he started shaving it. He has to like hide from her whenever it's growing back. <laughs> so Jeremy's like, game over. And she's like, you don't want to keep playing? Don't want to take off those briefs? He's like, what I want is to buy you a cup of coffee in town like we were planning before all this happened. She moves like the shit off her lap and stands up. I don't know why she's standing up to talk to him now. But she's like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm not going to let Dana or anything or even a car crash stop me from living my life. I'm tired of us hiding and sneaking around. You know, I, I can't make it into town, but, but why can't we run to each other on campus where I'd be practically living this whole week? And it would be really out of your way and suspicious for you to be there, but whatever. And he's very pleased by this. And he's like, it's a date. But he like gently pushes her back onto the couch. And I want her to yell like, my stitches. Seriously. <laughs> he moves on top of her to kiss her. And it's time for some rumpy pumpy. Um, I mean, she's got her like, legs open and he's, oh, he's just grinding like, away hips dressing if there weren't the boxer briefs and the track suit i would say that he's already sent the miner into the shaft absolutely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. speaking of sexy i'm well, scared fuck oh yeah out in the woods in taylor's rv uh, we see mona's at the uh, computer monitor thing again she's got like four quadrants of security camera footage on screen just on the phone for can, Allie. can we just say that mona is dressed like Carmen Sandiego, if Carmen Sandiego was actually Peg Bundy. She's dressed like a mob like mistress. She has like a giant a leopard bit. skin coat on. A little bit. It's almost like, I don't know, like still strains of Aria, like taken into her fashion repertoire in her late 20s. Yeah, a little bit of that with the skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's got this footage up. She's talking to Allie. 
And she says, so I've reviewed all the key card entrances made by our fake Nolan, but it's impossible to get a visual on who's using Nolan's ID card. You know, I get why we need to trust Taylor, but why do you want to trust her? What a weird thing to say. Um, I wonder if she's like examined, like, where is Nolan's fake ID card going exactly? You know, all of this is going to be massively like unclear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of, it makes sense what she's doing, but yeah. Uh, so we see Allison, you are kind of cutting between them. Allison's on the other end. She's walking through campus holding a takeout bag from Luke's. And Allison says, because we share the same crazy life experience. I mean, how often does that happen with people like you and me? I want her to be trustworthy. LOL. And Mona says, she's sneaking around with her own private beacon guard, Allie. And uh, she says, you can't win, or I'm sorry, you can't will someone to be trustworthy. And Allison says, okay, well, I'm going to be home in a few minutes. Maybe she'll come clean about the RV. And Mona's like typing away on some shit. And then she finds something that makes her very excited and happy. And she says, oh, that's interesting. Allie, Taylor's got biometric and physiological technology that can track gait patterns. And we see the footage she's looking at. It's like people with like a little like kind of like stick figure overlaid over their like legs and like posture. And uh, there's just like, like a bunch digital of, skeletons. Yeah, digital skeleton. Sure. Um, and Allie's hears this and is unimpressed. And she says, okay, you need to slow down with that computer geek jargon. And Mona says, G-A-I-T, gate. That means we can identify fake Nolan by matching his or her walking pattern. But the search is going to have to scan through footage of the entire BHU population. Unfortunately, that's going to take some time. Allison says, okay, keep me looped in. And Mona says, yeah. So they hang up and Mona goes back to her computer screen. So there's visual footage of fake Nolan, but it's not easy to make out. I guess what it means is like when fake Nolan uses the card, it's like in places where you can't see who it is, mm-hmm. but you can see their body enough to like, right. to see how it, they walk. But like no other like discernible physical characteristics. I mean, I guess it, pretend it's like black hoodie, you know, like if it was a or something. It's like, you can't, you don't know who that is, but like you like match their, their gait. You know, I would love it if that of the person that's then said to be this individual was like wearing something that masked their body type. But also, it, I'm very confused by the ending when it like it like beep, 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 tracks her to it. It's like, shouldn't that just be like a footage thing? Anyway, yeah, it could just send her like so, a photo. Sure. Allison's just a few minutes away from home with that lunch. Just count how many scenes before we see Allison. <laughs> also, like, remember when Mona used to talk to Mears? Yeah. Um, so the three perfs are, are commiserating at their table in the student union, like talking about all their shit. Um, I love that C- Caitlin seemingly got down to some fucking put her tracksuit back on and then came down to campus. She's like, I got mine, cleared my head, ready to study. I think there's literally an episode of undress that was about that. Um, and it was like, it makes sense if it was Dana. After all, she was FBI. She has full access to beacon guard. And Dylan's like, and then an angle that Caitlin was hit at special ops training. And he was like, really? Dylan's like, you never play Call of Duty? And she just shakes her head like, man, he's so full of shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it makes sense that Dana would be a deranged psycho, like screwing with teenagers for fun. She was in the FBI. And apparently that's special ops training. Mm-hmm. So Kansas just like sitting there studying, listening. Dylan's like, and what about Taylor? She had access to, she has access to Beacon Guard. Maybe Al, Al was Al. right, you know. But I think he says Al. Does he? Like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Maybe Al was right, you know. Maybe she, Kayla's had enough. And she's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
What a part of, let's focus on our studies during cha-ching, dead week. Did you guys not get? It's like Dylan looks past her and like, <clears throat> so she like glanced over her shoulder. She's like, oh no. Because of course it's Dana Booker in the hallway, spotting them, pausing for a moment as if considering whether or not to come over. And Caitlin says to the others, don't make eye contact. Don't look her in the eye. And Dylan's like, it's like Jurassic Park. Don't move. She can't see us if we don't move. So Caitlin goes back to fake studying now as Dana Booker walks over to them. She says, just the three I was looking for. Dan's like, what do you want? Dylan's like, to give us, or Dana says, to give you some good news. We solved your case. And I think you mean the police solved your case, but never mind. Dana says, uh, a teenager out for a joyride thought he hit a deer. He turned himself in when he heard you were in the hospital. Ken's like, why wasn't this in the news? And Dana's like, the driver was a minor. The case has been sealed to the public. What? Dana's <laughs> just like, I'd like to sue him. Who was it? Yeah. Well, also, two days ago, Dana they did backflips. That's how hard she was bending over backwards to kiss a senator's ass over this. Yeah. There's no way that she's just like, nah, he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken's like, that's if, you a, it. if you hit someone as a minor, you're, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, Ken's like, that's it. The case is just closed. And Ava says, like, Ava says this sounds way too easy. It's a hit and run, by the way. Yeah. Dana then gestured. It's all, attempted vehicular. Manslaughter, yeah, involuntary vehicle manslaughter. Yeah, that's yeah. No one's ever gone to jail for that. <laughs> um, Dana then gestures to the table in which, like, uh, Dylan and Ava have coffee. There's like maybe two used plates stacked up between them. Dana's like, "Looks like you've been studying together for hours, so you're real friends now." Well, that's a game changer. Give me a break. Dylan's like, "We're not playing games." And Dana's like, "Oh, I think you started the game, and it's my job to finish it." Give me a. And she walks off, and Caitlin looks worried. And Ava's the only one who has the huh look that I require. Thank you, Ava. <sighs> yeah. Um, and Dana Booker, I just don't know with her. It's maybe one of the biggest problems I have with the show so far is that, like, she doesn't seem like a real person in any way, or even like a thematically interesting, like, kind of force of nature. You know, like, it doesn't. It's like if she is a, that just seems so implausible, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. why is this FBI agent doing this? Like, what what could her motives possibly be? Why does she care this much? <laughs> just trying to get that bonus. <laughs> and if she's not, like, and so we just assume that she's not. But then none of her actions really make sense anyway. Like, it seems like she's she's she should be like a fellow student or someone who's fucking with him, you know? Like, it made a lot more sense when this was like Mason. To yeah. Me. This- just this this red herring suspicious thing because mm-hmm. um, she's not fully effective as like Javert. Yeah. You know, hunting them down over this piece of bread. Because uh, she's so, not really using her powers of authority all that much. You know, she's mostly just doing weird underhanded shit. Yeah. Which. I, I don't know, man. Like it's I have so many questions like. Mm-hmm. You have a fairly serious job. Like I imagine like head of security for a prestigious like like university campus is like no small matter. And you're supposed to be investigating a murder. Yeah, I would think that as the head of security, you don't leave your office. Yeah. (laughs) And yet we actually see Mona has an office this week. Mm -hmm. So after commercial, Caitlin's walking across campus. She's changed clothes for an internship interview. Did she go back home to change? She go to Jeremy's Great change. Yeah, I don't know. Great question. Maybe she just had clothes in the day. car. I think it's the same day. They're all wearing the same outfits. I her. believe it is the same day. Yeah. 
And Caitlin's on the phone. And she says, I mean, how could someone mistake me for a deer? That story is so lame. And on the other end of the car in his dorm apartment is Dylan. He's holding a piece of paper in front of him and says, that's what's so scary. Dana thinks she's getting away with it. I mean, she is. Yeah. <laughs> and Dylan says, you know, it's even scarier. He's like, I don't think I want to know. And Caitlin says, she thinks we killed Nolan. Sure. Uh, and Dylan says, I mean, if you didn't, why is that scary? Uh, Dylan says, yeah. you realize you're breaking your one rule, right? Killing. <laughs> you're talking about Dana. And Caitlin says, you're right. You're right. That was a slip. Sorry. And she gets to the top of the stairs and looks over. There's a bunch of other young women dressed in business attire. A bunch of nerds look there mm-hmm. for the same interview. Trying to look all prepped out. And she's like, Dylan, I, I got to go. Okay. I got to focus. And Dylan says, Caitlin, you've got this. We know each other so well that I can say you've got this. <laughs> I think there's one dude there. A couple dudes. There is one dude. Yeah. In my notes, a couple of minutes or a couple mm-hmm. of paragraphs. I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's a guy who's like hidden amongst them there. Yeah. And Sorry. so Caitlin says, thanks. I hear one of the women talking. Uh, it's one of the interviewees says, look, it's her. We might as well leave now. I hear she never sleeps. Also, her mom's a senator. Yeah, she's got this. Yeah. There's no way in hell she doesn't have this unless yeah. the plot doesn't need her to. Yeah. Uh, so Caitlin smiles. Maybe please that like this is her, you know, perfectionist reputation intimidating the competition. Goes to sit next to them. Like, you know what? I don't think it's your study habits that are intimidating these people. But I wish I wish that this was like a weird character detail of Caitlin that we could really like sink our claws into that she just loves like the one thing that she loves about the pressure she puts on herself is like other people find her fierce and intimidating mm-hmm. like Spencer. Yeah. So back in Allison's place. Um, uh, Timeline wise, you know, again, I don't know if this makes sense. I, I, I it, it all, if it all happened concurrently, maybe. Yeah. But like um, they obviously wanted to go from Dylan and Caitlin's like conversation to the interview but whatever um so allison's like coming back in she's she's picked up that lunch it's, it's maybe hours later it's maybe 10 minutes later taylor's just like chilling at the table watching a news report her about herself on a laptop get a load of that fucking model shot that she has and yes. like like the photo that the news yeah. is using glam as fuck i don't know how it's like it looks like it's from a, like a photo shoot yeah I don't know how everyone in town doesn't have the same crush on Taylor Hotchkiss than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so reporters like, earlier today, Claire Hotchkiss gave an official statement. And the picture's like, when the news story uses this, this appropriately glam Taylor picture. And Allison's like, okay, lunch is here. Sorry it's taken me hours to bring it. Pro tip, stay the fuck away from my cheese fries. Stay the fuck away from my cheese fries. Taylor smiles. Can I just say the photo, it looks like, because the headline is Hotchkiss heiress, back from the dead. It mm-hmm. looks like if you gave the if you told the news about this and you're like you can come shoot a dramatic photo that you think will capture the vibe of the Hotchkiss heiress back from the dead, you know, like no, it's like is, lit. Uh, this is the long hair Taylor. So this yeah. is from when she was like cleaning up like oily. Yeah, no, I, I know it's I know it's not current, but that's what it looks like. It looks like yeah. they had time to pose it. This is this is your typical. Missing white woman, returned from the dead white woman syndrome. <laughs> and she's really channeling Gone Girl there for sure. This is how the news covers these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reporter continues, if the Hotchkiss family apologizes for any stress or inconvenience the community has endured after it was reported. So Allison has a seat and starts like pulling out the food. Um, Allison's like, don't let the media frenzy get in your head. I've been there. I've done that. Eventually the media fades away and you get your life back. And then the terror returns. Taylor I mean, maybe takes that to heart and she closes the laptop and she's like, how hard was it for you? And Allison's like, I remember how isolating it was to be away from my friends and family. Um, 
And true story, Allison, she's about to unwrap the hamburger. I 100% stopped this episode and went and got in and out. Mm. I was starving uh, at the time. Taylor's like, I got used to the isolation. I'm going to miss it now that the news is finally out about me. And Allison's like, well, you can't hide forever. Also, that's crazy. Uh, Taylor's like, I know. It's not the public scrutiny that scares me. It's knowing that I'll be a target again 24-7. I feel like she's just like telling Allison what she wants to hear a little bit there. I mean, at the same time, though, uh, here I am saying – I also don't think that they've nailed the point of her being untrustworthy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it just sounds like she's saying the same thing she's been saying. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, like, I, Ali has talked her into coming public, and she's scared, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of what Allison wants to hear. But anyway, Allison's like, what was it like for you off the grid? How did you stay connected out there in that van without Wi-Fi? Not even a phone. What did you jerk it to? Um, so this, like, is, this is supposed to be her getting, like, seen, making scene, as she'll mention her her secret beacon guard thing, right? This is supposed to be, this is her opportunity to yeah. come clean about it. Yeah. I don't know why she wouldn't mention it earlier, but yeah, this is her opportunity. Taylor's like, it was liberating. Beacon guard was created to protect the community, but it was exhausting constantly being under its watchful eye. I felt free being cut off from the world. Shrug. Allison, she's like, almost like buying it, but also knows that she's being lied to or lie of omission. And Taylor's like, I'm having food envy. The fries look good. And Allison's kind of resigned. She's just like, have at it. Um, and then Taylor has this like kind of like bite of her fries. There's like this goofy little kid being a wicked smile on her face. I don't know, which I guess like dogpiles on how complicated and duplicitous she's supposed to seem. I just feel like they're flirting personally. Would that be masturbation if they hooked up? Yeah, it's like, you know, having to clone yourself or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. They, these two have like much better chemistry than uh, certain other people on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but it's it's an interesting scene if you if you especially read it as Allison seeing and understanding Taylor as like an analog for herself, like witnessing herself essentially going through some of this old stuff. I guess I'm just not picking that up from these scenes. I'm not I'm not getting a uh, like they they seem mostly genuine to me. I'm not getting like one is making a move and the other is making a counter move, and they're like both being duplicitous. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not coming off in the performances to me. It, it just seems like a normal conversation. Which then seems weird to me because there should be something more here, I think, for the level of build up to this character. It's not shot that the, way. The linchpin. Like we know. Thing. But I mean, like, who is this character? Have we been told so much that that they look alike? They think alike. They're going to the same story. They they have so much in common. Well, the, it's like. So all that's I, I there. Guess my personal read is that this has been interesting, like uh, a counterpoint for Allison to like view her through. Well, yeah, all that's there on the paper, but like it's not being directed that way. It's being directed like a normal conversation. Like this is PLL. They would let you know if we should be suspect, you know? Mm. So the interview. Caitlin's interview. They're in some kind of posh, like woodsy office on the first floor. Lots of open windows. I mean, it's another location. Ooh. I mean, this scene, I'll just say, it's a lot easier for you if you just take it as like Sydney Park is playing. It's like she's doing an interview with Michael Scott. Yeah, some of these questions are, they're a little something. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a congressional like staff interviewer. And she says, so Caitlin Park Lewis, which reality show would you rather compete on, The Bachelor or Survivor? And Caitlin does a double take like, uh, excuse me? And the interviewer says, which show would you prefer um, being stuck with strangers on a deserted island for 39 days or competing with two dozen other women for one man's heart? 
and Caitlin just has like this like what the see I don't think she's thinking this is so stupid I think she is fucking clueless as to the point of this question yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's like uh, I and she lashes like don't really watch reality TV and she takes like a deep breath and tries to pivot and says but I can talk to you about SEC regulations on candidates and political programming and foreign policy and she's already lost this interviewer not not understanding the point of this question at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the interviewer says, I'm sure you can. I've seen your resume. It's very impressive. Your clones are very impressive. Uh, Caitlin says, thank you. And the interviewer says, what about pets? Are you a dog or a cat person? And Caitlin's just like, uh, I don't own a pet. And the interviewer says, oh, allergies? And Caitlin just says, look like, no. What the fuck? And the interviewer's like, pizza or tacos? And Caitlin's like, I don't understand. And the interviewer says, I know. It's a very controversial question. And Caitlin's like, no, I, I'm confused. I don't know what pizza versus tacos has to do with this internship. And the interviewer leans in, like, it's time to give Caitlin the straight dope. And she's like, a lot, actually. You'll be getting everyone's lunch orders in the office. So now she says, uh, as an intern on the Hill, you're, you'll be working directly with Senator Hastings' constituents. Now, the senator and I already know how academically qualified you are for this position. We know your mom, but we want to know if you're not a, no, not a total drag of a person, you know? want to know more about you and who you really are as a person uh who is the real caitlin politics is not just about policy it's about the people so pizza or tacos and caitlin just can't even muster an answer for this incredibly simple question she's just like deer in the headlights like just completely flabbergasted um but i mean like she's she's thinking she's fucked but it's like no it's fine your, your mom's gonna make a phone call if you need her to and like the only way you don't get this internship is if you don't want it like <laughs> also Senator Hastings constituents, <laughs> how do you feel about like pedophiles? But what if they're like authors too and feel, small business owners? How do you feel about this like uh, homeless guy? His name's Toby. He's the <laughs> mayor. You're going to have to get to know him. So where did you read that again? Because I, I need that to be one of like the next stupid text message chain. My God, I hope so. Like, I don't even know. Oh, should we talk about the last one? Or should we save yeah. that for after Mona's scenes? Let's do it after Mona's okay. scenes. But like, like I don't even know who would be texting who. Like, which character is texting <laughs> Allison and or Mona? Hey, it's things have been weird since Toby became the fucking. Maybe mate. it's maybe it's just Toby texting. Hello, Allie, I'm the mayor. <laughs> and it's just like silence. <laughs> Red. <laughs> Turns out the mayor doesn't get their own house. I'm still homeless. <laughs> dot, dot, dot dot dot. Goes away. <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> it was either me or I ran against a dog. Does it seem like this this little Caitlin plotline should be like like a high school show plotline? Yes. Yes. I mean, a lot of Caitlin's plotlines, I think, are... are just microwave Spencer, Spencer plotlines. Plot yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Like, it seems like Caitlin, she's, she's a pretty sharp girl. By like the third question there, she should have been a like, okay... It's it's just like human interest questions or something, you know, like, come on. How do you react? Like, how do you adapt to things that, yeah. you know, are completely out of your 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 wheelhouse I mean, or whatever? Have you, have you not seen the uh, classic American film, The Circle, mm-hmm, starring mm-hmm. Uh, Emma Watson and Tom Hanks, where she gets asked, you know, like, John or Paul and questions like that? Um, mm-hmm. By the way, Marco, uh, Bachelor or Survivor? Are you going to ask me all the questions? I guess Survivor. I mean, I assume that it would be the bachelorette for us, right? 
we wouldn't. I, mean, be I don't know. Are we competing with a bunch of women for a guy that uh, I don't think a whole lot's going to happen between us? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, listen here, bro. There's cash, right? We'll split the cash. I don't know. Well, Maybe if you were the bachelor, the cash. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have that much ego. Yeah, I do Survivor too. Uh, dogs or cats? Your dog. Uh, well, I have cats. So I know. I, I know you have cats, but you're a dog person, or at least you used to be. I guess I'd get either one. I go both ways. ACDC. That's not an answer. Uh, I'll stick with cats for now. It's not a for now thing. It's are you a dog person or a cat person? Yes. Cats. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a cat person. I am a cat. Uh, tacos or pizza? I'll tell you what the wrong answer is. Taco, taco pizza. pizza. Fuck yes, it <laughs> is. That is the worst of both worlds, Caitlin. I would somebody say tacos. Yeah, I think I had to go tacos. I mean, I, I really like pizza, but tacos is like an essential part of my diet, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have tacos at least once a week. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more, definitely more, but at least once a week. Now I want tacos. What's that? I said now I want tacos. No, yeah. If only I I'm lived in a city where burger. I could get a taco at this hour. I'm glad I went and got the burger before I had gotten to the taco questions. <laughs> well, then you would have got to the taco pizza and you'd be like, oh, never mind. Yeah, my, my appetite. I'm too keyed up to eat now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so student union, maybe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, standing there, she's addressing a few students in like the little corner. I think eventually as this scene played out, I realized this is that little elevated part where they play the exposition news, the little lounge part of the student union. So she's got a bunch of students like bunched up in chairs, like kind of in a uh, half circle facing her. She's in a little study session. And so she's like, so how does Agatha Christie use her female characters to portray the principles of feminism? Hint, hint, this will be on your test. Which I feel like is pretty understandable considering that you're supposed to do a paper now on the feminist principles of Agatha Christie, which good mm. luck. Um, since they're all like looking past Alice and distracted by something, this this must be the, the TV playing the exhibition news, which it is. Um, news reports come on showing that the reporter is like talking on the right with that that's like a stock still of Claire Hotchkiss on the left. And the Chiron says, Claire Hotchkiss confirms that her daughter Taylor is alive. There's like a BHU logo there. So this is like campus news covering the resurrected daughter of the woman who owns the college. Oh, is it so, like, do they have like an on-campus like news, news organization? Team? Yeah, like broadcast journalism. Yeah. Well, like the the group that was like, let's take a stock photo of like crew and just put a thing about how they lost their thing and they'll be back at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. So lots of whispers, lots of interesting chatter in the student union. So Allison sees this and she sighs. She like turns back to her students. She's like, she sits to get real with them. And she's like, I get it. Gone Girl's back. But this is dead week. Drink up. And you all need to focus. So then like, just then like Dylan shows up, talk to her. And this time he's like, excuse me, Mr. Dularentis. Can I speak to you for a second? So she stands. She like, hands no more stack. Allison, huh? Yeah, no more Al or Allison. Maybe she smacked him, like on the drive over to Mona's. <laughs> My first name is Mrs. My last name is De Laurentiis. You got that, Chandler Bing? So she hands like a hand, like a stack of handouts that she has to one of the other students. She's like, "Please distribute these. Everyone, pair up and work on these practice worksheets together. They'll cover everything in your midterms." Okay. After this meeting, I'm just going to skid out out of here, like just leaving. Hey, Dylan, um, she, cover for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she steps away from the like gathered students to like listen to Dylan's problems. Also, like, why isn't Dylan and the others in this study group? Whatever. Uh, Dylan's like, 
It's official. I'm getting an incomplete in acoustical engineering. Allison's like, like, incomplete? Holy shit, I don't care. Yeah. She's like, an incomplete? You're one of my hardest working students. Hey, remember when you were writing three essays at a time from, from my class? And he's like, I took on more than I could handle. It's a problem I'm trying to fix. And she's like, well, you can just apply and take the class next quarter. It's not the end of the world. Jesus, you know. And he's like, at BHU, incomplete is like an F. In fact, it's even worse because it means you couldn't rise to the occasion. Who would know? Yeah, whatever. So she's like, I know you're under a lot of pressure. It's not a guarantee, but I'll speak to your professor, see if he can change his mind. Can we change your mind, Professor James? No. How excited would you be if listeners only referred to you as Professor James from now on? I'm not a professor. I'm just saying. What if that's how they, like, they refer to you? I'd say they were inaccurate. And you could be like, stay after class, miss. Um, Dylan's like, I'm desperate. And she's like, okay. <laughs> He's like, thanks. Yeah. I just love her, okay. <laughs> So he she walks away and he's acting like he's just gonna like blow someone for a fix. It, he's like so fidgety. It's like he just they needed him, him to be talking to someone about his problem and nobody it's, else uh, was available. Yeah. It's hilarious when they get to the the cello crime mm-hmm. and a bit and he's just like doing his thing and then someone's like, fuck, this is so unclear. We should have ADR some dialogue where he talks to himself about what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> So after the commercial, we're in Ava's bedroom. She's like chilling on the bed, like like laying on her stomach, hair up, flipping through some books, studying. She's got several books on the bed open in front of her as well as her iPad. She's wearing that same dress, same day. She gets a text and checks it. It's from Zach who says, can't make it, stuck at work. So she's uh, got a, quite a headshot of him as her contact photo. Wouldn't he know that he was going to be working? Like, I don't know. Like another janitor, like calling sick. and he has Oh, to was he? Stuff. Wasn't he? He, he was work? busting in the morning, right? He's gonna be busting again at night. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. We're gonna double bus. Um, He's working like a triple or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, and especially during drink up dead week. Um, so she rolls her eyes like, "Bitch, please." Um, now she has no fucks given, and she's like, "Well, then I'll come to you." She like lifts herself up, starts like, gathering up all her shit, putting it into her bag. And uh, yeah, then we're gonna cut to the next scene. With the student union where she's walking in, we can see a sign announcing, you need food to survive, dot, 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 dead week. There's free food in the student union brought to you by Lil Roni's Pizza and Luke's Burgers. I feel like someone should have been murdered in this episode. Like they have, they keep saying dead, dead week. Yeah, I know. Like, go full pun. Yeah. I don't think they ever gave us free food in college. They might have had like, I don't know, like culture nights where food was free maybe or something. But I don't know. It's a rich kid school. So maybe they just hand out free pizza with anchovies. So anchovies. So I saw that the uh, the writer of this episode likes anchovies on her pizza. But like, are we doing the full dialogue in this scene? Because these scenes get dark. <laughs> oh, in this scene, <laughs> like the next two scenes, like rewritten by you, they get dark. <laughs> I mean, these were the start of my notes. Me, I was in a bad mood. <laughs> you really were just like taking a lot of baggage into this episode before you even saw it. Thanks did, to the internet. Did you notice how all of my? Uh... My asides are only in the uh, perfectionist scenes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the other ones are fun. Anyway. Well, there's some asides in the Mona scene. Well, I, I include that in the perfectionist scenes because of the presence of Mason. Anyway. Okay. Ava <laughs> looks around. One of the scene where it's just our two PLL. Yeah. <laughs> Ava looks around. She spots anyway. Andrew. Boo. Uh, she just picks up like a whole box of pizza for herself and joins at the table. Uh, I guess it's okay because it's an anchovy pizza. 
and yeah. she says, "Hey, Andrew, you know Zach, right? Do you want to kind of do this back and forth here?" And he's like, "Yeah." Have you seen him? Uh, no. Huh. And she sets the pizza box down. I hope you like anchovies. <laughs> he should have been like, who the fuck likes anchovies? What do you even serve this? Well, it's who- like when they do like the like mass pizza order thing, it's, it's going to yeah. be some pepperoni, some cheese and some vegetarian like anchovies. Come on. Yeah. You're not even getting combos mm-hmm. when you're doing a mass ordering thing. Um, but I mean like most pizza places, I feel like, Anchovies aren't on the menu anymore. I, I, yeah, I usually don't see them. So he's just like, mm-hmm, the pizza. And, and uh, he's like, a burger guy set up shop at the coffee counter. Why do they want us to get fat during dead week? He just seems like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because pizza's so much healthier. Shut up, Andrew. And they kind of fake chuckle. And he says, we miss you at the fashion show. No, we didn't. Especially Dylan. <sighs> it's the first time I missed a performance. I mean, since you met him, maybe. Uh, sounds like he want he wanted you to go, or I'm sorry. Sounds like you wanted to go. I did, but what would that say? That you still care about him? Maybe I'm not ready to say that. But it's true, right? I'm nosy. It's not. It's not that simple. Oh, I'm supposed to say the whole thing here that you wrote no, down. No, that's his line. He says that. Oh, does he actually say that? Remember, I'm the one who got. Oh, that's right. He does. I'm sorry. It's not that simple. Remember, I'm the one who got hurt here. It's all about me, 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 me. Womp womp. No, I say womp womp. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he say, he actually does say, remember, I'm the one who got hurt here. Yeah. It's like, okay, man. Womp yeah. womp. Uh, Ava says, I know. I'm not saying you have to forgive Dylan. That's your choice to make. But I know how you feel. I've had my heart broken by people I've loved. And now they're gone. And I would do anything to have a second chance. And, and yeah, remember how Ava was in love with Nolan, even though he cheated on her? And it seems like that hasn't come up in like a couple episodes now. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the pizza. It was free. I don't care about you that much. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'll see you later in a second. Possibly avoid it. I'll see you. Enjoy the anchovies, loser. Thanks. Uh, she's already <laughs> turned away to tap on some student service guy's uh, shoulder. I guess it's like Zach's coworker. <laughs> and she says, hey, have you seen Zach? And he's like, Fortson? And he says, yeah. Oh, the closed caption person spelled Fortson wrong. Uh Ava says, yeah, and student services guy says, oh, he's not working till tonight. And Ava's face is just like, that fucking dick. And she pulls out her phone, dials, gets voicemail into her phone. She says, hey, Zach, you know, for someone who's constantly judging me, where does lying fit into your moral code? And she hangs up. She's like, jerk. And I guess you could say he's a pretty little liar. Does well, David- I, wonder, I wonder to be like, this is Ava, by the way. Yeah. In case you couldn't guess. Does she have like an undercut or something? I was just like looking at her hair in this scene. It looks like the side of her head is shaved and then like swooped forward over it. Yeah, I don't think so. She's definitely like missing a lot of hair above her ear. Hmm. Huh. Um, So meanwhile, uh, Mona's doing guidance counseling or something, even though she also does recruitment and game design in Hotchkiss. And acts as an analog interface for their beacon guard AI god. Um, she's talking to some like real sad sack girl as she's like exiting her from her office. It's true, like, she might start crying and she's like, Don't worry. Switching from pre-med to English doesn't mean you can't apply to med school. Did you know that Anton Chekhov was a doctor? This that was his side gig. Ha ha ha, you'll be fine. Get the fuck out of my office. Um, so there's a bunch of students waiting outside her office. She calls for the next appointment, which is Mason. Um, I would wait. 
my entire fucking life outside of Mona's office for her to tell me off. I really would. Mm. Um, she's just like, Mason Gregory, boo. Um, Mona's like, you are next. Come on in. So she comes back to her desk. He takes a seat across from her. Uh, she reads from her iPad where she has some kind of dossier on him. She's like, okay, junior Olympic silver medalist in rowing and second place winner on the National Intel Science Talent Search. Also, you were on Heroes when you were a kid. What can I do for you? And he's like, I don't know if I belong here. And she's like, cool. Fuck off. If only. Get the fuck out of my office. This is for winners. Those people want to be here. Now, she says, as soon as you just start off a simple, I need to drop a class, or I want to switch majors before having their first BHU existential crisis. And he's like, it's definitely more than that. Since Nolan's death, I've been distracted. A jerk, actually. Like, I tried to blackmail a bunch of people and coerce a girl into sex. You know, just jerk stuff. But I'm actually super sensitive and a really good guy, at least depending on the episode. And she's like, a jerk to whom? And he's like, hey, everyone. I totally suck, including no one's friends. Uh, she's like, okay, man. Uh, you seem like a real puss. Well, grief manifests itself in unusual ways. And he's like, you're telling me. It made me try to violate my ex-girlfriend without consent. You know, just as I wrap my brain around that now. Hey, Taylor's alive. <laughs> it sounds like he's about to cry here. He's like, just as I wrap my bre- my head, my brain around me being an asshole, now Taylor's alive. Yeah, to do something that drastic that scares me. There's dark. There's a darkness within me. <laughs> Maybe even violence. She snapped under the pressure. That could be me. Who oh boy? Um, the was like, you're overwhelmed. Take a step back. Cha ching. Dead wink. Dead week isn't just about. I said dead wink. Dead week isn't just about cramming. It's about teaching students to prioritize the workload and know when to stop and take a break. I hear they're serving pizza in the student union. Go eat some fucking carbs, you creep. And he's like, oh, I'm too keyed up to eat. And Mona's like, I have that effect on people. Mm-hmm. She says, there must be something you do to relax. Hmm, video games? And she points at him like, I got it. Like, I know you. And he's, and she's like, ah, knitting? And he's laughing. He's like, ha, ah, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll go blackmail someone else. Or, uh, you know, I like to play the piano. And she's like, you're a musician? What a calculated trait to rehabilitate you. Also, I know that you play piano in real life. Um, when we accept you in the BHU, there's nothing in your file about music, you fucking liar. And Mason's like, I don't have any formal training. I just picked it up by ear. I learned how to be a real piece of shit from Nolan the same way. By ear. <laughs> the picture all you have for this character is... I fucking I taste this I can character. chew my way through it. I'm literally chewing my way through it. Um, I think it's because I'm a math geek. and I'm, You know, music is the art of math. That's my line. That's the line I use on all the chicks. It's on all my profiles. Um, she's like, well said, Amadeus. My advice for now would be to find a music practice room and take a break. That, or have you tried psychosexual games of chess? Mason's like, thank you. I think I know where I'm going to be for the rest of the day. So she pretends that the finest is music as he leaves. And she's like, I don't care. Next. <laughs> I cannot stand the Mason character at all. But like The piano thing came because Paul, you found out that um, uh, Mason plays piano. Yeah, he plays piano. Yeah. For I mean, life. that's that's fine, but like this character, you've been telling us for six episodes that this character is a piece of shit, and everything he's done has backed that up. And now we're just going to turn on a dime and be like, Mona and Mason, aren't they cute? And it's like, fucking no. What the fuck? Whose idea was this? Oh, so there's an age difference? There's yeah, a, also it's Ezra 2.0, like... Yeah. Yeah. It's why? Like, I, I, I'm fucking baffled. Like, who thought this would be a good idea? Like, how in the writers' room are they just like, this is perfect? Mona and Mason. That's a great couple. People will cheer for that. So what I need is I need I need the uh, first scene of next week is that they have a cute little date. It's actually kind of romantic. 
I watch it and I think to myself for a second, like, you know what? I could see them. They've got a real chemistry. Mona's like, excuse me for a minute. I'm going to powder my nose. And you get the sense that when she gets back, they're going to make a comment. They're going to go back to one of their places. Mona goes in to wash her hands and she looks in the mirror and other Mona just shakes her head in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you spent your lifetime finding the details of people that can be manipulated and taken advantage of. Now you're giving yourself one of those details. What are you thinking? And they switch places in the mirror. That would be nice. It just seems yeah. like they want us to forget the first episode, six episodes of the show all of a sudden for this character. Like, it doesn't seem like they're kind of like, ooh, enemies who secretly have a connection they didn't know they had. Let's see how, you know, well, let's see how the drama of this develop. It, 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 the vibe I get from looking at social media is just like, wasn't it cute? And it's like, no. Why would you think you that? Don't you feel like at some point, like maybe even after episode 10, it's like, Dana's going to become like their ally or something. Like they're going to go through something and realize that they have a common enemy. And then all of a sudden everyone's like the best friends club. It could be, you know, I mean, every episode is like a new reality. So. And then we'll be like, Hey, Ava, remember when this woman like hid fucking notes in your pencil sharpener and called you out to the woods in the middle of the night, whatever made you think you're going to see your dad. Yeah. Why is someone talking about the pig man? (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's just like two days ago. It was a pig man. I want Mona to go hunt the pig man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess what, what really kind of grinds my gears about the Mona Mason thing is that it makes it seem like they don't understand Mona as a character or why people like Mona to think that like, oh, this is a good couple. Yeah. People will like this. The thing I like about Mona the most in this episode is that she's not someone who's like beholden to her former uh, bouts of mental illness. Mm hmm. Like, I like that she's just like, eh, it was a game. We were kids, whatever. You know, like, maybe that's an inaccurate read, but it's not like she's, like, feeling guilty, like, oh, I had to spend all this time in a mental hospital, and I'm I'm always going to feel guilty and, and shameful of that. She's just like, no, I'm I'm living my fabulous life right now. Um, and now I'm going to start dating one this. of my students. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where is she technically faculty, or is she just, like, staff? I don't know. But either way, I mean, she's wrong. She's his guidance counselor, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you some guidance. Yeah. I was kind of hoping I, what I wanted to read. I don't know. I don't know. If she, I'll go into it when we get to the scene. I'll tell you how I wanted to read the scene where she gets it was revealed. All right. Before so you, if you do haven't that. watched the episode, I know some people don't watch the show and they just listen to the podcast. I'm sorry. You're fucked. We've spoiled how this episode ends. Yeah. He's bad Bishop. Spoiler. So cut to Caitlin giving an insane order in line at uh, Luke's burgers here while half a dozen kids are just stuck in line behind her. with These annoyed looks on their faces. Caitlin says, turkey patty well done, wheat buns, steamed, onions grilled, not raw, uh, three dill pickle slices, oh, and tomatoes on the burger, but only if they're heirloom, not beefsteak, kosher, not table salt on the fries, and lettuce on the side, just in case it wilts. And Luke the burger guy is like, right, one cheeseburger coming up now. That's what he should say. And she's like, do you have sriracha? And he says, I made three different hot sauces from scratch. Want to sample those? And Caitlin's like, mild is first, please. It's like, oh my God, she's asking for samples where all these poor bastards are stuck still waiting in line to order. Like, don't be the worst, Caitlin. Don't be that person. <laughs> He's thinking, well, she'll never enjoy this burger because she'll be dead. Yeah. And uh, Luke smiles and turns away to like do his samples or something. And then we just kind of cut, like, I guess it's just like a short time later. And she's like, you know, eating most of her food and munching on some fries now. She's sitting at like still at the counter there, like three feet over on the side. I guess it's like a little bar area. Can you imagine doing a 20 minute like Sally from when Harry met Sally order 
than just like shuffling three feet over and sitting right next to where the people you you've just <laughs> gone to get pitchforks and like torches against you are going to sit and order their food. She might as well just like sat down right there at the counter. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So she's munching on some fries. Her phone beeps. Text from Jeremy. It says still on for our quote first date tonight. And she smiles and texts back. Yes, I need some Jeremy time. Tanked the interview. And she grabs a Luke's menu there. And, and I'm, I'm assuming this is Luke. I'm calling him Luke. Maybe his name is yeah. something else. Also, Luke, at least turn that baseball cap around, buddy. Come on. Yeah, how old not... are you? Also, this is uh, like little baby Carl Urban here. <laughs> yeah, I guess he kind of is. This is Nick Cassie. Yeah, he's credited as Luke. So Yeah. Um, so he just sees her interest. This guy's just like attentive as fuck. I think he's into her. Says mm-hmm. dessert, and Caitlin says, "I'll do the deep fried Twinkie Twinkie pie and the Oreo milkshake." Which, holy shit, that's like two thousand calories. Uh, and he's just like, I feel like she's good. Yeah, I mean, she's I guess she's typically she, up all night running. She runs all night long because she's a robot, so yeah. that's fine. And he says whipped cream on the side, and she's like, uh, "Yes, please." Obviously, it can melt. And he says, we're also doing a special on cake pops and our Choco Tacos are really popular. Like, this guy's just trying to upsell like crazy here. Upsell those Choco Tacos. Mm-hmm. And then Caitlin's like, oh my god, tacos. I love tacos. Why didn't I just say that? And he's like, so are we doing tacos? And she's like, pizza or tacos? Tacos. Caitlin, for God's sake, they're tasty. They're portable if you're on the run. But why didn't I just say that? Why didn't I just freeze? And then, of course, there's the taco pizza which you get the best of both worlds and no reality ever. Uh, and I even mm. missed the opportunity to bring up the topic of cultural misappropriation of authentic Mexican street tacos by corporate America. Oof. And, Lucas, and yet the worst thing there is taco pizza. <laughs> yeah, Lucas, just like Jesus undergrads. Uh, he says, look, I don't know what kind of weird uh, new agey class you're taking, but just trust me on this. There's no wrong answer to pizza or tacos. It's a personal choice. Your personal choice. Uh, she still doesn't seem to have gotten the point of all this in the slightest. And she's like, mm. just because I wasn't prepped doesn't mean I didn't know the answers. It's like, it's not a test. You just, it's your preference. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not even an answer. It's like, it's there's uh, yeah. Or even just that you can be decisive. Yeah. Uh, Luke is just like, yikes. Uh, you didn't understand a word I said. And she's like, I'll be back for dessert. And thank you. This has been very insightful. And she grabs one last fry to munch on and takes off their books. And Luke to himself is just like, all right. And he just kind of waggles his eyebrows and it's just like dead weak. I think he might be a little into her here. Like I felt like there's a little bit of sexual tension. For, for sure he is. I mean, I'm not totally sold on Caitlin and Jeremy. And now there's like a potential Caitlin and Luke. But here's why I think the show to be renewed. Because in two seasons, I need to find out that the reason Luke is leaving Beacon Heights is because he's been called away to like the Viennese castle where they're perfecting burgers. <laughs> He's been <laughs> He's called like, away to Hamburg. I go to the actual Hamburg, which is <laughs> the origin of the word hamburgers because they're Hamburg steaks. Do you get how important that is, Caitlin? And she's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, whatever, I'll be back in a short time to hit on one of your friends. I, mean, I do feel like they're trying to do something with Caitlin here. Like, it's a little absurdist, but it's it's something at least. Like, they're just like, we're going to give her some actual traits now other than just being like a a generally nice like striving person you know it's like she's a little maniac you know mm-hmm. manic mm-hmm. she gives like she, just insane asinine orders and she has days of the week underwear mm-hmm. um so outside the student union ava's like walking out like sucking on a straw she like walks in the trash can throw her cup away 
She looks over, happens to spot Zach in a BHU sanitation jacket, emptying some other trash cans in a larger rolling bin. Um, He's got, like, his headphones in his ears. And so some dude walks by and, like, hilariously, like, tosses a soda can on the ground, like, totally missing the trash can right next to Zach in your fucking face, Zach. (laughs) He doesn't see her, though, because he's listening to music. And Caitlin, like, turns away from him and sighs because, great, now she's the asshole. Um, so you think that she should just toss like a, like a 10 grand stack at him and be like, you can stop whining about my money. My conscience is clean. Exactly. Yeah. Just peel some I off. Just, here's what I wanted instead is I wanted the kid who throws the trash on the ground and that kid keeps marching off. Then Zach turns, sees the trash, looks up and sees like, like Ava still like with her straw. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you fucking monster. I can't <laughs> believe you do that. And she's just like, oh, <laughs> because that, that's like. If we had 20 episodes, that would have been how the sense. It, it does seem like we're moving this along rather fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, that's, I wonder if that's the problem. It's like they broke a really great season, and they're like, fuck, this is like a 15 to 20 episode season. How do we do this in 10? Uh, anyway. So after commercial, Mrs. Gaines, the interviewer from earlier, is packing up her stuff in that office. Uh, Mrs. Chris- What's that? Mrs. Chris Gaines? I don't know. But- Maybe. Maybe. It's night now outside. Uh, Caitlin comes up behind her and she says, Mrs. Gaines. And this lady's kind of startled. And Caitlin's just like, Survivor. And Mrs. Gaines <laughs> just like, Excuse me. And Caitlin's just like, Survivor. I'd be on that show because uh, if I could survive 19 years as a daughter of a politician, I could totally handle being on a deserted island for 39 days. What a humble brag. Also, I don't know if that tracks, but mm. yeah. Mm. If I could survive the daughter of being a rich and successful politician, I could totally handle being on a desert <laughs> island. If I could handle all this fucking privilege mm-hmm. with my fucking butler. <laughs> yeah. You got a big house. <laughs> if I could survive having a butler for 19 years. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Gaines says, it's a nice answer, but I'm afraid you've already had your interview and you failed. Uh, no, she says, uh, or, and she tries to like, get her shit and leave, but Caitlin's not going to allow that. And she's like, I'll be honest, your question's through me. I, would, I prepped by memorizing economic statistics and analyzing foreign policy. I was trying too hard to look good on paper, but don't worry. Now I've memorized calculated opinions about p- food and pop culture instead. And Mrs. Gaines is just like, you were a little stiff. And Caitlin says, could I have a do-over? And she's like, no. no she says, that wouldn't be fair to the other candidates. And Caitlin says, it doesn't have to count. I'll just have my mom pull strings anyway. But I really need you to validate my new personality I studied for. Uh, you asked me who the real Caitlin is. That's one question I never really asked myself. I'd like to see if I can answer it. This will be like passing the Turing test. And Mrs. Gaines smiles because she's going to build this over time. And she's like, I'd like to see that too. I really want like Mrs. Gaines, like she's like pulls out like the black folder with like the fucked up questions. And she's just like, all right, question one, would you rather have sex with a dead body or watch your friend have sex with 10 dead bodies? Mm. I don't even know. Really? <laughs> you can't say both. <laughs> it's either or, baby. I don't know. What's the most fucked up question Nick can ask Caitlin? I don't know. Come on. Get weird with it. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So meanwhile, meanwhile Alex sitting on a park bench in the middle of the quad where various walkways converge. This seems weird. This seems like sad. In the foreground, there's one of those like beacon guard pylons, like keeping watch. And Allie's just like like spacing out when Mona walks up in a fabulous like mob wife leopard print coat. It would be great if Allison just had like a bottle wrapped in a brown paper. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Mona's like, it's just a private moment. And Allie's like, 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> she sighs. Money gives her a sympathetic look, joins her on the bench. Um, if the show was just about these two and only these two, it'd be interesting. I mean, it'd be something I'd definitely watch on CBS All Access. But I was like, I'm sorry I was right about Taylor. And it feels like this episode, again, hasn't, I don't know, it hasn't fully like landed the Taylor's untrustworthy concept nearly hard enough. Though obviously we have some disconnect amongst ourselves about what is being played with Taylor. So she's an enigma. She's an enigma wrapped in a blonde mystery. Now it's like, I just thought that she would help us connect the dots and get Dana off her backs. And we could go back to living our best Beacon Heights lives. And I was like, oh, oh, what's that look like? And Allison shakes her head. She's like, drama free. When I left Rosewood, I thought it would be different, but drama and lies follow me everywhere I go. And Mona's like, Allie, if you think you're a drama magnet, it's because you want to be. If you don't want that, then change it. And it's like, yeah. You fucking brought this on yourself to a certain extent. Yeah, you stuck yourself in the middle of all this drama completely by choice, Sally, for people yeah. you barely knew. Like, you want the drama. You kept showing up telling everyone, I want to help these fucking kids. Mm-hmm. It's college, Allison. None of these people want to help these fucking kids. <laughs> they just want to hang them upside down and get their goddamn money and their parents' money. Except for Zach. He ain't got shit. Um, I was like, I don't think it's that simple, Mona. Mona's like, you're still defining yourself as that girl from Rosewood. You say you want a fresh start, so reinvent yourself and follow through. I do that like every other hour. So Allison sighs and and some more, and she looks off into the distance. And she's like, when I go home, I'm going to ask Taylor to leave. Which, Jesus. It just seems harsh. Yeah, that seems like, why don't you just ask her for the truth? (laughs) Yeah. Mona's nodding, and she's like, for what it's worth, if I were Taylor, I wouldn't have told you about the camper either. But then again, I was A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I lied to people's faces for years, and I was great at it. I miss it. Um, I don't know what her story is, and I don't know what she was doing out there of her mini beacon guard, but till we know more, we have to be careful. Um, Mona's like phone beeps. She checks it, and Allison's like, oh, is that an update about fake Nolan? And Mona says, no, the gate recognition program is still processing. Ooh, it's, it's bad Bishop. And Allison's kind of like smiling, like, oh, good for you, little one. And like, oh, Queen's Gambit. She's typing, genius move, Einstein. <laughs> like that she's like, nice move, Amadeus. Genius move, Einstein. Yeah. Um, Mona laughs to herself. Being all hot and bothered. And Allison's like, you're really into this person. So you meet him or her, I hope. And Mona's like reading and she's like, chess is the art of math. And then she laughs and she's just like, wait a fucking second. And she says, oh, my God, I know who this is. I bye. Allie like raises an eyebrow at Mona. She just like takes off in a jog, all flustered, which looks funny of her outfit. Uh, but meanwhile, the audience just wants to vomit because you couldn't pick a character in the show; would be rooting for less than fucking Mason. And this could is you? A, could you possibly? This is, this, this is a miscalculation. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, it was Dana. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> Mona, I gotta be honest. I don't know if we had chemistry, but well, whatever. If, if I'm it go was her. Dana, I feel like they they play it differently though. Yeah, maybe. With Mason, it just it doesn't seem like they're playing it as like, oh, weird. I have something in common with somebody who was, uh, you know, an antagonist. It's more like, oh, I've been forced to say this guy's model cute for a couple episodes, so I'm just happy. Well, I mean, you just kind of wrote yourself in a place there. Like, mm-hmm. they have painted him half as an antagonist. I'd say mostly all until the last episode when suddenly he was just like, by the way, I know I've been a complete piece of shit. But it's because I was grieving or something. But I mean, the problem is he was always like a watered down bully on a, on a show in which 
we literally have Allison De Laurentiis and Mona Vanderbilt as our main characters. It's like the the height of villainy I mean, perfection. Just because he sucks, I don't think that's an excuse. Yeah. Like he, he literally said in his own words last episode that he was trying Mediocre to pressure Caitlin into things sex. All the time. Yeah. Like he was like, I went to that cabin standing up Mona on her date to go to that cabin uh, mm-hmm. to try to pressure my ex-girlfriend into sex. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's just because I was so entitled that I thought I, I deserved a piece of like Nolan's like asshole lifestyle or something. But well, I'm and, over you know, that now because I'm bad at it. I'm fine with, with bringing Dylan into the perfectionist as a man. I don't think that necessarily means that you have to sacrifice the shittiness of men as like the real villain of the show. And so what you're talking about, there would be a great opportunity for like Mona and Caitlin to connect. Yeah. And it's like, you think about like something like Toby, he was theoretically the bad guy, the beginning of PLL. Right. Mm -hmm. But like in his like first episode where he's played as Keegan Allen, he's already like, he interrupts fucking Ben, like trying to assault Emily in the locker room. And it's like, Oh, maybe there's more to this guy. You know, like it it wasn't like we're just gonna have this guy be a total piece of shit for like more than half the season uh, and then uh, like turn on a dime. He did cry profusely at the funeral and over the but shrimp cocktail. But then he like did that weird thing where he asked if she needed an alibi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, I think the nice I, thing I can say about Mason is he's a huge miscalculation. I, I think he's just a really, really badly constructed character. And it, it just seems like they can't decide who he's supposed to be from one episode to the next. Like I said, miscalculation, yeah. So back at Dylan's place. We see his phone on the table. There's a text from Allie. I'm sorry, but Professor James wouldn't budge. Suck it up. Which, Jesus, man. Like, I think I might have added to suck it up. <laughs> cut this guy some slack. Like, Didn't you see him take his shirt off and put that, that patch for no reason on his back? Mm-hmm. Christ, you're, you're a slave driver. Uh, so the camera pans over to some vinyl getting tossed on the carpet. Like Dylan's like tearing through his collection of classical LPs in the shelf below his record player. Uh, we can finally see that his wallpaper is Cycles of the Moon, and he has a book called Sweden, A Country of the North. And he's like, shit, where are you? Come on, come on, come on, come on. He literally finds the record he's looking for. He pulls it out, sits it on the turntable, and plays it. It's some cello music. Um, it's from 1918. It's completely created by the... Uh, uh, composition and musical supervision division of the perfectionist, the sound authentic. He like waves his hand over on time, goes over to his computer, goes to some like music website page, does a search for 1918 dot 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 Frazen Hammond dot 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 Ode to Lost Land dot dot dot. What is all um, the ellipses in that search for? Is this like a new Boolean that I wasn't aware of? <laughs> <laughs> like the real, the real pretentious Boolean. Now, is this puzzle a page for the album of War, Love, and Strings? And he's like, now let's make sure no one's going to find you online. So he sees on the page, digital recording available? None. Analog recording only. He leans back, relieved. Like, like is this the one thing he took from home after he killed his parents and burned their house down? Is this it's one the record? The cloud atlas sextet, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it only has half. Um, so in ADR, we have Dylan saying, I have to be the only person at BHU who's recording who has this recording from 1918. I think that's what the line is. It's missing a word there. Um, he rubs his hands together, as you know, like, like you said, uh, once a cheater, always a cheater. Um, Dylan really takes some shortcuts. <laughs> I mean, he's cheating again. I, I, I don't dislike Dylan's character, but maybe I should because he kind of like, he's stacking up a lot of L's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like cheating on his boyfriends, cheating at school. 
Uh, obviously, you know, it's like he's semi pressured or talked into these situations, you know, but still like. I, I almost wonder in his particular case, if it's the lying to the boyfriend, yeah. that's even favor sin. Um, I mean, college beginning of a relationship, all that stuff. He had a one night stand of somebody. It's not great. It's, it's and bad, maybe a, but, just like a the, desire to avoid the bad outcome. He's just going to like do whatever he needs to do, you know? Yeah. Come clean, Dylan. So, so cut to Ava doing some website paging of her own. She's sitting on her floor in front of her bed with an iPad and a keyboard stand on her pillow. I don't know how anyone works like that. I'm sure uh, a bunch of art history stuff is kind of sprawled next to her on the floor. She's tapping that puzzle piece that, that was assigned to her in her hand. And uh, she's just holding up this piece of stare at it. She's got nothing. She yawns. And then something catches her eye. She looks over at the painting on the cover of her Italian Renaissance art history book. And she holds a puzzle piece over it. Like it matches, even though it doesn't. I guess the style is similar. Uh, and then a, a smile spreads across her lips. And she does a search on her iPad for 19th century French realism and Italian Renaissance. And some images of paintings pop up. Six of the eight images are the same thing. And she smiles wider, chagrined. And then we go back to Dylan, where he's doing his like little air conducting of this cello by turntable here. Uh, and we pan down to see some wires are leading from that turntable over to his computer. He's recording this track to pass off as his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music ends. He stops air conducting this little flourish of his hand uh, as he stops the record. And then he goes over to the laptop and name this uh, recorded file Dylan Walker, my solo cello recording. Uh, he's not even going to like run this through like a filter to remove like that noise you get from playing it a record. Like, I feel like you'd be able to tell, like this is a record, you know, the vinyl warmth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nope. He's just going to email it to professor James straight away. This is how you could tell. This is how you knew you're like, what the fuck? I can hear the record starting. <laughs> yeah. And Dylan says, Dylan Walker, are you sure you want to do this? He says to himself, and then he, he kind of winces and exhales sharply. And he drags the file into the email. I like how it miraculously populates the subject field of his email uh, with the name of the file when he does this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he addresses it to Professor James. Not an email address. He just writes Professor James. It's like the BHU, like intranet or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like an LDAP or something, sure. <laughs> it's, everyone, it's just Professor whatever. Mm-hmm. I would love if this wasn't even the guy's last name or the person's last name. Professor it, LeBron James. <laughs> but like if he's just like saying things to like T.A. Allison <laughs> uh, yeah so I uh, think he kind of rubs his sore left hand a, a little bit and then he's just like ah fuck it and he sends it so we see it's uploading now he nods pleased once a cheater all's a cheater then the door opens behind him it's Andrew boo Andrew's like he's trying to look all serious and he's just like hey and Dylan just turns like hmm so Andrew is like the conscience that Dylan does not want <laughs> yeah He's like the specter of all his bad decisions. Also, this guy does a lot of fucking like lip chewing work. He does, yeah. I find I find something vaguely untrustworthy about this guy. But I, I mean, how much of that is projecting from online drama? It could be, sure. Okay. But there, I don't know. I just, I, I, maybe it's projection. I feel like he's playing it. Like I will, I will not be shocked that this guy turns out to have big secrets. Let's put it that way. He seems so separate from everyone else in the show, even. Even like Jeremy seems more. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's the bangs that are almost over an eye a lot. It's like, what are you hiding? You know? Okay. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just there's something like hidden about him. Hmm. Hmm. So the haircuts really uh, trigger you. <laughs> I'm not saying it's triggering. It's just that's the vibe I get. Okay. Anyhow. You know uh, what you did, Andrew. Yeah. Andrew sighs and says, I should have come to see you play. I was pouting. And just like a, a power move by Dylan here, like he cheated and here Andrew is apologizing to him. What a cock. Uh, Dylan says, you're cute when you pout. And he laughs, but Andrew's still trying to be serious. And he walks over to Dylan and says, you really hurt me. And Dylan's like, I know, I'm sorry. And Andrew looks down, spots an LP on the ground. He leans over to pick it up. And he says, ah, I remember this one. And Dylan's like, that was your favorite. And he smiles. And Andrew's like, our favorite. They're both smiling now, and Andrew goes over to the turntable. Dylan gets up to help him put this record on. It's Hermit Thomas's uh, Anyone Who Knows What Love Is, uh, which I feel like that title doesn't conjure the song. I don't know. I didn't know what the song was, but I like the title of it, but I heard it like a million times, you know. Never seen even like Black Mirror more recently. I haven't watched Black Mirror since season two. Okay. It was in, I think, season one, but cool. Was it? Yeah. What episode? The second one. It was? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the singing competition one. Okay. With uh, Jessica Brown Finlay from... Yeah, yeah I, remember. I mean, like I said, I've heard this song a million times. I had no idea what it was called. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And then when some movie had it as part of their trailer not long ago. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about an abusive relationship. Uh, yeah. They stare at each other... <laughs> Dylan's got his shoulder riding at ear level, just like trying to seem contrite. Like he's just like, don't hate me, you know. Uh, and Andrew kind of holds his hand out to dance, and Dylan smiles and comes over and take it, takes it. Uh, they pull each other close, and they're kind of waltzing with their head on each other's shoulder. And Andrew says, "I want to come home." And Dylan kind of pulls back and looks at him and goes, "You are home." And, and where have you been living? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it's this only been why, a week, seemingly. So this is why he's not a real character in the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. We don't know where the fuck he's been living and no one cares. I mean, he does have a like a concern, not throwaway line. He does have the hint of a five o'clock shadow. Maybe he can't shave regularly or something. I don't know. Up until this episode, my theory was that Andrew is not actually even a student. <laughs> like my theory was yeah. that he got out of BHU and that's why he was like, absolutely. I will move in with you, Dylan. <laughs> what was his thing in the pilot where he like was going to be interning for an architect? Yeah, so he's yeah. doing Roman architecture class mm-hmm. this one, so he's still he's still working for uh, Professor Art Vandelay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Professor Vandelay, <laughs> just email him, <laughs> Professor Vandelay, uh, <laughs> or Professor Art. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Andrew is relieved to hear that he is in fact home, and he rests his head on Dylan again. And they dance a bit more, but then he says, "So from now on, we're totally honest with each other." And Dylan's just like, "No more secrets. That's also a lie." Oof. Yeah. Oof. And I think. Andrew must know this is bullshit, but he's just like, whatever. He's going to relent and dance some more. Uh, over Andrew's shoulder, Dylan can see his email attachment finish uploading and send off on the computer. Uh, but he's not going to tell about that. Uh, yeah, if I didn't really dislike uh, Andrew and Dylan wasn't kind of a sleaze, I think this would be a really nice scene. So, I mean, I mean, a lot of friends group include people who are, I don't know, trash in their their romantic relationships. I mean... You know, our friend Steve is not a prince. <laughs> Steve goes far beyond trash, but yeah. Um, also, the line from this one of the lines from the song is, "You can run around, even put me down, and still I'll be there." For I you. mean, it's, it's like it's Andrew's song, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, no, it's 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 their song <laughs> every way. 
Because at first I was like, oh, this is a pretty basic, obvious song. And I was like, no, this fits. This is right. This is so right. So student union, where Ava's like walking in, wearing that red coat again. She finds Zach straightening the coffee bar area. She's She's got a blue folder of her. She's already got fuck eyes. She's like blasting at she, this dude. She does. Like, I feel like, like, she's turboing ahead to like where this is obviously going, you know. She's very selective. Um, and she's like, I'm sorry I left you that message. I know you weren't lying. Uh, he, she holds out the blue folder to him. She's like, you were right. He takes it. She gives him some more smoldering fuck eyes and walks off. So he opens the folder and we can see that it's a fully written essay with both their names on it. Final essay for her art history 340 class. Titian and Manet, uh, two eras, two paintings, one muse. So next to the essay is a printout of the painting with the puzzle piece on top of the show. It's from the same painting. There's like a double take at the door she left through. Like he's just been blown away. And buddy, you have. Also, the other guy that she talked to who works there, like that's Dear Diary. <laughs> Today, Ava Jalali talked to me. It was the greatest day of my fucking life at BHU. Um, so across the student union, Jeremy is waiting in line for Luke's burgers and checking his watch, impatient and worried. Some of the other girls come up behind him and he like ducks back to let them go ahead. I mean, he looks like he could be a professor or whatever. Like he's got like a fucking like cardigan on it here. Um, he's clearly not a student. No, he's clearly not a student. He's way yeah. too British to be a student. Oh, he's wearing a um, suit and tie. He looks like Giles fucking Jr. here. <laughs> they call me Ripa. <laughs> Giles Jr. Giles Jr. It's like That's James Bond Jr. Yeah. Well, like obviously Ripper. That show is not going to happen. Remember that show, that spinoff that was supposed oh, to happen? Oh, yeah. It's, so funny. Well, it's, it's Giles Jr., but he's not technically Jr. He's the nephew, you know? Oh, so you want him to be actually like somewhere in the family tree of Giles. Yeah. Like James Bond Jr. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm into that. Giles Jr. <laughs> he's like a watcher in training or something, right? <laughs> oh, shit. That's, uh, that's kind of great. Mm-hmm. So he walks over the railing. Like, Dig up Nicholas Brendan. Put him in an eye patch. There's nothing funny about what happened to Nicholas Brendan. No. He's, uh, it's May is Mental Health Awareness Month, folks. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. Uh, Jenny walks over to the railing, like, or Jeremy walks over to the railing, like, bum, thinking he's been stood up again. But then, here comes Caitlin behind him, not wearing a tracksuit. And she's like, hi, uh, you're Jeremy Beckett, right? I remember meeting you at the Hotchkiss Estate. I'm Caitlin. They shake hands, uh, sell this act. He's overjoyed that she didn't ditch him. He's like, Park Lewis, yes. Can I boil you a coffee? And she's like, can you throw in a deep fried Twinkie pie? I'm so, so happy. So many doing, carbs. Yeah. I'm so happy you're doing carbs again. We're going to fuck them right off. And she's like, oh, it's dead week. Drink up. Everyone's doing carbs. She smiles. All seems well here now. I mean, it seemed like for a second there, he really thought, like, stood up again. Fuck this bullshit, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm just buggered by this. I'm just knackered by all this inconsiderateness. Pip pop, tippy ho. Cut to the music practice room building here. Yeah, bring us home. Bunch of students practicing various instruments in these all glass, like soundproof booths. Um, I guess it's totally transparent so the kids don't fuck in there. So it's interesting you bring that up because obviously sex is the art of math, after all. Is it? <laughs> well, there's some ones and there's some zeros sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a, it's another like on location shoot. It really seems like they had more budget for this episode. I don't know. Like, feel like we're getting much stronger of a college vibe here i think the person asked about this would be norman buckley yeah i mean this is a it's a neat location visually like Mm -hmm. i want i want somebody like running and screaming through one of these as they're being chased you know you want that chasing from uh the fourth indiana jones Uh, i was gonna go for scream too but sure yeah okay 
There's that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Mona's walking through this building and uh, some amazing five inch uh, red, like little short boot heels here, uh, past all these musicians. And then she finds fucking Mason Gregory in a booth with a big piano. He's playing away, just really going to town because the actor can play the piano himself. And Mona's kind of smiling as she watches, intrigued. And then after a moment, she kind of flashes her eyes at him and slides the door open. He turns and sees her and stops playing. She smirks and holds up her phone and says, chess is the art of math. He told me music was the art of math. And she's like, wait. And at the same time, Mona says, you're bad, Bishop. Your four moves. And she points at him like way too happy to confirm this. And she's just like, and checkmate. Uh, Mason says, yeah, uh, he smiles. So whose move is it now? And their phone beeps because she has an alert. Gate analysis, search complete, positive match found. Uh, and so I guess this gross parent will have to wait. And she says, uh, you're starting a new game. And she commands and then just takes off. And Mona looks all dorky and smitten. Ooh. Mason looks all dorky and smitten. Mason looks all dorky and smitten. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be a true PLL spinoff that like an inappropriate student teacher relationship that no one wants. But this time, like seriously, no one wants this. Like there is no Estria fans demanding this. There's no, 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 none of these fans at all. This is episode seven. Like, I, that's one of the things that I find so worrisome about the show is that we started as if these ships are already like tried and true. I just don't. Uh, know and that's who, how they treat them online. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know who like would watch the pilot and be like, I will ride or die for Jeremy and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will kill people for them so they can be happy together. It's like, it's not we're not there man you haven't earned it you haven't gone through the ups and downs so my hope for this scene would be mona's like oh you're bad bishop well we can still play chess because you've got an interesting mind for chess but this you and me thing no fuck that that would be my hope but no i don't think that's the way we're going um, no because if you've listened to you know marlene on twitter throughout the season she's been saying like mona's gonna have a love interest and you've already you know, this person's already been in an episode, you know, and it's like, who else would it possibly be at this point? You know, well, like then I wonder, like when I see like these interviews of like Haley Aaron and people are like, what about Vanderkiss? And she's just like, um, oh, boy, <laughs> how do I answer this? Because mm-hmm. that's where everyone's leaning and that's what everyone's wanting. And fuck. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Twitter replies. I mean, the Twitter went nuts about something else, too, when this aired. But the Twitter replies about this were not kind, which like you know, you don't have to do what Twitter says. Absolutely. Like if you think you have an interesting story, go ahead and tell it. But like, yeah. you should have like, what's, what's the goal here? Really? If the goal is, aren't these too cute? I feel like maybe don't step on that rake. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. Maybe there's a fascinating story that's deep and meaningful that they're looking to tell here. Uh, there's no evidence of that so far, but we'll I see. mean, the thing is, like Mona's storyline as she progresses forward shouldn't just be that she finds love to complete her. Like she needs to love her fucking self. Yeah. Like it, I mean, Mona's had like various should literally make more sense than. Yeah. She's had like various, like random, like idiot boy toys over the years, which kind of makes sense for her. Oh, should we talk about Mike now? Yeah. Let's talk about Mike and his long distance. (laughs) You up. Yeah, that was, that one is kind of rough. He's yeah. just like, I'm thinking about coming to BHU, and she's just like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Man, take the hint, Mike. Like, like <laughs> she's just being so polite about him being an uncle. He's just like, yeah, cool. Let's talk about that. Oh. I mean, Mike, I feel like, is the guy who just, he never, 
Like he peaked of Mona. Like he never got over her. I mean, who would? Also, look at your look like, at the fucking icon that she had. I mean, obviously she can't have Cody Christian's icon, mm-hmm. but like I feel like that's such a cheesy little icon. <laughs> like the weightlifter guy. Yeah. <laughs> also, Mike's like a year younger than Mona. I just want to point that out. Yeah. He's still in college for some reason. Like, is he in grad school? Like it's like they're acting like Mike is like four years younger than her or something. Yeah. I mean, unless he's like teaching. Like, is he like a lacrosse coach? I didn't get that impression from the text. It sounded like he's, he's a student. He's like, what's the lax bro situation at BHU? <laughs> Considering I don't think anyone actually plays lacrosse on the West Coast. Nope. I have to go. Take care, Mike. <laughs> Oh, this one was just, I don't know. This one I actually found to be the the least offensive. No, I, it was, I mean, all the Ezra stuff is barf, you know, like the whole, like them and their daughter or whatever. Oh, you're an uncle now. But like the, there was actual drama in this one, mm-hmm. you know, like there was conflict. You're like, oh shit, you know, and like he's talking about coming out there and she's just like, nope, don't got to go later. Bye. And he's just like, is there someone else? Like I said, it's the least offensive. This mm-hmm. is the most fun. This is like the one where I'm like, I don't know. It's, it has no narrative like thrust and there's no need for it, but I mean, still I enjoyed it. Do you it's think, not like we're like setting up for Cody Christian to join the show, right? Do you think Mona in the, I mean, I don't know what he's doing right now. Do you think Mona is saying don't come because she's trying to protect him from the weirdness of BHU or nope. don't come because I've got some new dude? I think she's saying don't come because we've broken up. Okay. I, I don't read it as I've got a new dude or you're wrong. It's that Mike stop texting me every like three months. Mm, okay. Poor Mike. <laughs> like the whole like. I, mean, I, I get it, Mike. Normal, it's Mona. I could be a normal high school girl who like half dates you and half has a crush on Robert Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. That girl's done. The girl in the cute little like uh, ice cream sweaters is over, Mike. I'm I'm a fucking like next world entity. I'm, I'm fucking Carol Danvers. All right. Mona, Mona contains all Monas. It's true. It's true. So that was like four personalities ago. Yeah. After commercial. After the commercial. Is this me or is this you? Go for it. Uh, after commercial, she's following the tracking map on her phone as it guides her to the positive gate match. It's a shot from the credits where she's walking quickly down the path in the quad while staring at her phone, tracking dots beeping and pulsing, showing her location in relation to it. To me, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, shouldn't it be camera based? Like, what is it beep, beep, beeping her to? Like, how is that working? I mean, I guess the camera knows where the person who walks with this gate is. But it can't just show her the raw footage. Yeah. <laughs> that beep, beep, beep her to it. It doesn't make any sense. Simona hurries on, letting her phone lead her. Um, at the student union, Kayla and Jeremy are, like, sharing a love seat, having coffee. And he's like, all of them? And she's like, all of them. I threw them all in their cycling bin. Not a single index card in sight. It's like, I find this incredibly sexy. And she's like, I never fly by the seat of my pants. So this was new for me. But I I, I still don't get it. So you, you're happy you tanked the interview. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I felt like crap after falling flat on my face. So what? You got back up on your feet? Or so what got you back up on your feet? And she's like, tacos. I realize that when people want to know who you are, if you're honest, there are no wrong answers. <laughs> except for taco pizza. Yeah, seriously. So he like cautiously takes her hand because it's a bit scary. This is their first time in public, but Caitlin's thrilled. He's like, sounds to me like you definitely aced that test. Let's smash. Some knobs are going in some fannies, if you know what I mean. Um, she chuckles herself like very pleased. And then they, I don't even know, like race to like the nearest closet or bathroom or second time today. Yeah. 
getting that that Toyota Acura for some uh, some drive fucking, some fuck driving. Time to cut to your favorite character. Yeah, like easily the best new character, right? Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna twist my arm into agreeing <laughs> that I I love her. Yeah. I I it's but it's like with everything on this show, I for the most part I have developed this huge affinity for the actors and their personalities and what they're I don't know pulsating out. Some of the writing is a little murky and weird at places, but like. Sophia Carson's great in the show. I think Cindy Parker's great in the show. Haley Aaron's great in the show. Taylor, I don't know. Whatever is going on with her, there is something very intriguing. Well, see, I don't follow any of these people on social media. I have no idea what their like presence is. Uh, I'm just going I'm off the show. Talking about the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it helps that Taylor only has scenes with like Allie. Uh, not Moni yet, but I'm sure she will. Um, but like a little bit with Noel in there. Like her scenes are with characters we care about, so that helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's part of the version of the show that that it deserves to exist. Yeah. So in Allison's house, I got a cat running at my microphone. Uh, in Allison's house, Taylor's waiting in the semi darkness on the couch, wearing that cool girl black jeans, black leather jacket look from before. She's like tapping her fingers on her knee, restless. The big black duffel bag is on the coffee table in front of her. We hear a door shut and Allie walks in. Taylor stands getting her bag. Like she's just been waiting for Allison to return so she can leave. And I love that she's got to be like, what the fuck have you been all day? <laughs> it's dead week. You really don't have to do anything. You just disappear. No, but Allie's like, what's going on? And Taylor's like, I have to go. And Allison's like, oh, to Claire's. And Taylor's like, no, I left something in the woods, something that could help us figure out who killed my brother. And Allie's like, your mini beacon guard. So Taylor's a little stunned that Allie knew this. She takes a moment to collect herself. And she's like, I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner. I, I, I wanted to show you what I was using it for so you'd know that you could trust me. But now it's gone, and I, I have to find it. And she seems, like, really distressed. And Allison, like, looks down, maybe feeling slightly guilty. And she's like, I have it. Taylor looks even more perplexed. And she's like, well, my friend does. Taylor's like, you stole it? She puts her duffel bag back down. And Allison's like, I didn't steal it. She did. It's just what Mona does. But it's safe. You don't have to leave. Also, you'd really like Mona. You really should be dating her. She's cool. She's wild. And Taylor's like, Allison. She kind of implores Allison, like longing eyes and comes closer. To which you wrote, kiss. Doesn't it seem like, I, like the way she comes closer, it just really seems like like there, there could be a moment here. It would be funny if she had. The, the, next, the next text message one is like, Emily, really broke my heart when I got the divorce papers in the mail. But I signed them and I was, you know, on pills and just smashing wine for a long time. And now I'm basically dating myself. And it's <laughs> everything I have ever wanted. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, these two have more chemistry than uh, Mona and Mason so far. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor's like, uh, we both know I can't stay here forever. I came back to find out who killed Nolan. She like, shrugs and smirks a little because she's a little playful and naughty. And she's like, it's time to start being a Hotchkiss again. And Allison smiles, but it looks like she still does not totally trust Taylor. So you have a whole point about so Taylor if, here. If we're to believe that Taylor is actually shady, she told Allie about the camper because she knew Allie already knew about the beacon guard thing and she wanted to like get ahead of it, we could say. Uh, but then when Allie admitted to taking it, Taylor changed her rationale for leaving. Like she can't leave because of that anymore. You know, she doesn't need to go look for it. Now she has to leave because she needs to be a hotchkiss again to find Nolan. Um, 
regardless, Mona is going to be saddled with awful Mason, then Allie and Taylor should date. They're even age-appropriate. Even though it's basically masturbation in a great way. I mean, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, see this from the angle of Taylor's evil, Taylor's the bad guy, you know. Um, like, how could she be manipulated? So, it seems like one way or the other, she's preemptively trying to get out of this house. I see two options here. So let me let me uh, sit you down for a Senator Hastings internship interview and ask you a question. The villain of season one. Tacos. Taylor or Ava? Oh, I have to choose between one of the two? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus Christ. I guess Taylor would make slightly more sense, although I could see the rationale for both. It seems like it has to involve computer shit, right? Both of these ladies are hackers. Mm-hmm. We sure have been told that a lot. I mean, it'd be it'd be kind of wild if like the person who claimed to be grieving occasionally narrates the show is mm-hmm. also the villain. Oh, the one who made like, the, the biggest sob story about Nolan being dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, it all goes back to that time that I walked into somebody's apartment and found like him inside of her. <laughs> it would make from what we've gotten so far wouldn't it be it easiest would... for the person who did the uh like uh i know what you did or whatever mm-hmm. thing at the, at, the, at the vigil yeah it was well, like i was saying from what we've gotten so far the potential motive seems much clearer with ava than it would for taylor Taba, taylor it was like oh my brother's helping me expose some mysterious conspiracy or whatever you know like and he says we want to trust someone but maybe secretly i don't want him to talk and so i'm going to bump him off because of that like that's like okay but we haven't really we need a lot more info for that to really make sense whereas like if ava was the killer it's like oh yes we know exactly what her motive is you know yeah yeah and i I keep thinking that part of the problem is that they probably broke an incredible season and then they had to truncate it into 10 episodes and it's like mm, part of the problem. I think another huge problem is just the structure of having essentially two TV shows happening at once. Yeah. Which still makes it better than Riverdale where every character is on a different TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back. But to I mean, TV. I guess it's so if Ava is the killer. Then I like how you said Tava. Yeah, Tava. That's a ship. Like that would be their ship name. Yeah. That so ship would be electric. I mean, Vanderkiss, that works. What would... Taylor Allison be Taylison or something. Taylison? Oh, Taylison just writes Al- itself. Al- Alice Lauren. No, that's <laughs> Alice Lauren. I mean, also Alice Ma- Sailor. Mona- Alice Sailor. Alice Sailor. Yeah. Mona and Mason, by the way, no ship name there. Like Mana. Yeah. Mesa. Yeah. Mensa. <laughs> no, it can't be Mensa. No. Um, but what was I saying? Um, Alice Simile. So if Ava's a killer, then Dana Booker is just some fucking weirdo, seemingly. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Dana's secretly in on it with Ava. I don't know. They were in on it together to like steal Ooh, some it's, money. Uh, it's the ending of Side Effects, where like uh... yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that also includes uh, Channing Tatum being stabbed. Yes, his best role ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Taylor would be. I don't know where her like I don't know where the the BHU can like Beacon Guard conspiracy fits into that. Well, it's like she's clearly not talking about that, which is the most suspicious element. Like but the then whole, Mona the whole, isn't either. 
Yeah, seriously. But I feel like I trust Mona more than I trust Taylor. But like her whole like Beacon Guard's great. It does all these great things. It's also it's a great Wi-Fi router. But you know, it's just always watching. And that was like just that was heavy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just needed a, a break cease from that. Like it's I don't I don't know. I, I don't know if she comes off as like purposely femme fatale mysterious is what she should be. And she just comes off like there's something missing from the execution of her character. Yeah, um, or just like because in this episode we need the like the plot says it says here on the script that like we're not sure if we can trust Taylor. So that's what we're doing in this episode, whether or not entirely makes sense. Mm-hmm. But just oh god, I think we need like a we need a real like named villainous presence. Well, that like the, get Dana Booker off the table as quickly yeah. as possible. Because I kind of wonder if they wrap her up next week. I hope they do because if it's not like if you're going to do A, then do A. Like just mm-hmm. just be like, yep, there's new A. But mm-hmm. like it's weird that they're kind of like housing it right now, you know, or it's like yeah. uh, we're kind of gonna refer to the, the Dana as A, but she's never sent an A text and. Yeah. Well, it's it's that PLL thing that's been from the beginning of even PLL where somebody is is the killer in our suspicion, but they're also like a good like you know like Wilden's Wilden's obviously evil, but he's also like a cop that we can bring mm-hmm. the truth to at some point when we've wrapped the case. It's like there's nothing nothing is binary. So it's like they know that somebody has obviously got like computer prowess who's like doing shit to them and it's behind all this. But they think it's Booker, even though that doesn't really make any lot of a lot of sense. But, but later in this before Booker in this next episode or in the next scene, I think. Uh, I mean, it does seem like it's Booker. But what she's doing is stuff that is fully within her purview and capabilities, as laid out so far in the show. You know what I mean? It's like because she did the thing of Ava. It's like we want to assign all of these quote-unquote A-esque activities to her, and I don't know if that's... But there haven't accurate. been that many A-esque activities either. Like, somebody hit Caitlin with their car. Mm-hmm. Um, we were maybe attributing the murder to that. And then what other A activities are there? I mean, just please wait. In episode four, I thought I had a sense, but now my question is, what are we even doing here? <laughs> uh, we should get to the next scene then. No. Back at the student union, Dana Booker struts in. She's just like staring down Dylan and Caitlin's table like a Terminator as she walks by. Uh, Ava's not there, but her coat is. She's nearby. Uh, that's because she's fixing coffee at the counter. So Zach can stomp on over to her with a blue folder. He's looking all annoyed. And he's like, I told you, I don't want to be a part of your shortcut. And he slaps the folder yes, down you do, the bro. counter. Yeah. And Everyone wants to be part of her shortcut. Ava says... I didn't take a shortcut. I worked on this all night. Oh, I should be doing my like sexy voice here because that's please, what she's talking about. Get sexy. I didn't take a shortcut. I worked on this all night. Whoa. Do you want to do your lines here? I am fanning myself. Am I am I playing Zach? Oh yeah. What happened to your theory about nineteenth century French realism? Well, I cross referenced the art and I found out that Edouard Manet or Manet whatever. Manet. Painted the luncheon on the grass in 1862 after seeing Titian's original painting at the Louvre. Comprehension dawns on Zach's face. Your line. 
It's hard to tell Sophia Carson. I don't think that's my line. Oh, I was just going to skip that. But... Oh, okay. Sorry. So I was right. And uh, you were sort of right. He smiles, feeling foolish. Right. You don't have to include my name on it, though. Well, I wouldn't have solved the puzzle without you. She tries to go. Looks like she's got coffee for the other perfectionists there with her in a holder. Uh, hey. She stops, and he's like, I was wrong to say that you were just like your dad. But I don't even know you. And this is where she should have been like, and now you never will. <laughs> Boom. Avid. I'm really sorry about what my father did to you and your family. Those are his mistakes, not yours. And I screwed up by taking it out on you. I'd probably take it out on me, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You probably would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. He actually said that. <laughs> so they both smile, knowing they'll be boinking by the finale. I'll see you around, Fortson. See you around, Jalali. Ava walks back to the perfectionist tailor. Can we just say, all you need is some like a fun incest angle, and this is basically Jon Snow and Daenerys with a Bernie Madoff twist. Is it? A little bit. The uh, the that the scene in Game of Thrones where it, Daenerys does Jon's homework for him. Yep, yep, yep. Well, because have you met Jon Snow? He needs somebody to do his homework for him. This guy seriously needs to work on a pout then if he's going to be Jon Snow. Not nearly <laughs> pouty enough. Throw himself into more situations right. where he's I need way this guy to head. be just the saddest boy in the world. Yeah, Ava's going to start dating a janitor soon. Get back at her dad. <laughs> Take that. Take, look at this beautiful dream, dad. <laughs> so, back at the table. Caitlin says, okay, so we know it's probably going to be on the test, so let's discuss some of the themes. What's the theme of this episode, Dead Week? Hmm... I don't even assumptions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, I feel like is, it really makes a lot of sense in a high school set show. And Dylan looks up at Ava and then pass her at Booker and says, she's on the move. Uh, they look over and see the Booker's at the coffee bar. And Caitlin says, guys, she's putting sugar in her coffee. And Dylan says, she's pot- plotting her next A move. I mean, like, Caitlin, who was, like, freaking out earlier, like, don't look her in the eye. Don't look her in the eye. Like, mm-hmm. now she's like, calm down, guys. Mm-hmm. I got some, all right? I'm 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 chill. Ava says, oh, so it's sticking. We're calling this person who's torturing us A. That's appropriation, Ava. A is for appropriation. Yeah. Caitlin to Dylan says, stop staring at her. And Dylan says, I'm not staring. This is espionage. Ava says, read some more spy novels. And Caitlin's like, that's actually not a bad idea, Ava. And she starts like writing the suggestion down <laughs> on her notepad. Like if they just want to fully steer into like Caitlin's a robot, I guess I'd be okay with that. Like next week, she's just like thumbing through like Mask of Demetrios or something. She's mm-hmm. just like, fuck it. <laughs> Ava says, are you writing that down? And Caitlin's like, I make lists. It's what I do. And Ava kind of reacts to Dylan's espionage quote line and just kind of turns around to check on Booker. And uh, she says, she's sitting down with her coffee. Caitlin's like, guys, can we please stop talking about Dana or Nolan or anything having to do with murder, please? And Ava kind of smirks at Dylan and says nothing. You remember when, like, Caitlin just got off the idea of murder? You've changed, Caitlin. Yeah. You've changed. Then there's, like, a squeal of feedback on the PA. Suddenly, some cello music starts playing. It's that song Dylan copied uh, to pass off as his own, playing over the loudspeaker. And over at the coffee bar, we see 
Joker Booker, she's smirking. Uh, she does something on her phone, seemingly like she's controlling this. And everybody looks puzzled by this, except for Dylan, who looks sick to his stomach. And he was just like, what the hell? And Dylan looks over at Booker, who looks back with a shit-eating grin. Uh, so I guess we can confirm for like the dozenth time that like Booker has full access to like camera feeds in all these people's rooms. And they should never really do anything on campus they don't want her knowing about. Nor be surprised. Yeah. Seemingly, she's just watching them constantly. Uh, mm. So Dylan covers his face disgusted and he kind of leans in to talk to the others. And he's like, guys, and they look up concerned and they was like, are you okay? And he says, I did something really bad that could get me kicked out of school. And Dana knows it. And he sighs and Ava looks over at Booker who just like smirks at them some more. And Caitlin's just like, "Ugh." Uh, just then Mona walks into student union and her phone tracker is beeping. And she's kind of following it through the building. And it's beeping like faster and faster and faster as she gets closer. Finally, she's kind of up on the landing uh, at the food court there and she stops and looks up and she's staring right at Dana Booker. So look of cold fury on her face. How dare you break into her place and not give her pie. And mm-hmm. Dana slowly becomes more aware of Mona just like staring at her. She kind of glances over frowning and goes back to her phone. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. What's this bitch? Uh, so cut to Allie's house. Which, what a great prank this would be if you could get like a recording of the beeper like <laughs> escalating. And then you just run into places and go up to people and just stare at them like, you. oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, like kudos to the uh, the music department, though, because like I I really thought this could have been a real 1918 recording or something. Um, good job, guys. Uh, let's cut to Allison's house. Speaking of the music real quick, um, yeah. there was like a weird score. I believe it's in the scene where Mona is giving Mason his pep talk. There's like mm-hmm. some like kind of like happy chords, like hopeful chords coming on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. which it seemed unless I'm just not noticing it, that seemed a little different than the score you normally hear on on this show. Well, the show is very interesting because there is some cello and then there is the usual PLL score that you got from PLL. Um, this sounded more like it was from like Saved by the Bell. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, it Zach was, Morris is trash. Yeah. Um, so cut to Allison's house. She's like FaceTiming for children who we don't actually see. And she's like, I love you, Toodles. And they're like, I love you. And she's like, for the moon and back, to the moon and back. And they're like, we miss you, Mommy. I would pay a million dollars right now if the kids were like, we also love Mommy's new girlfriend, Mommy. Who she's would, like, I mean, I guess Paige would be the uh, obvious one. But like, who else could it be? Jenna. Ooh, I don't think Emily would ever date Jenna. Oh, that'd be... That'd Emily be, holds grudges. That'd be rotten. Oh, she's just like, hate fucking Jenna? Come Does on. She just, I just don't think she'd touch that. Are they, they're both, they're co-workers still, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, like Jenna's like teaching like survival <laughs> skills or whatever. Does Emily, is she still the coach? Great question. Did yeah. she get Paige's job, I wonder? I mean, Paige straight up quit. Well, I mean, like... I'll say this for Paige. Like, you both applied for a job and they just created a position for Paige just because they liked her style so much. And then somehow Emily ended up underneath her. Mm-hmm. Literally. Um, anyway, so Ali's like, bye, kisses A. They're just, she signs off. They contented. The door slams and Mona marches in behind her and she's like, I refuse to be a doll, which is, you're damn fucking right. Mona plays with dolls. Mona makes a doll out of Mona and lives. She's on Charlotte. And Allison's like, what? And Mona's like, you were right about Dana Booker. She left me those cupcakes all A-like. And Allie's like, she's playing your game. And then Mona's like, then I'll win. And that's the fucking gif right there, folks. 
That's the fucking gif right there. Slow zoom on these baddest bitches in Beacon Heights. And Mona's like, let's take this bitch down. She smiles. And so do we, because maybe we can move on from Dana Booker to something a little more interesting, something a little more fun, something, something. a little more fitting of these characters. But nope, because next week is hook, line, and Booker. I mean, obviously we're going to have to deal with Booker, but like it just, Booker doesn't make any sense to me, like in any way, like as a character foil, as a, you know, larger than life antagonist like it just it's too many suspensions of disbelief to cross you know and again i think it's it's execution of the character because i i think clea scott's great like i think she could be great in this kind of role i just don't know if we're fully there yet also next week mona refers to caitlin as spencer 2.0 what are we doing here <laughs> what are we doing here? oh can i give you my uh my theory then Please. Inspired by uh, listening to the We Hate Movies episode on Serenity. Uh, it's mm-hmm. all a video game. It's Mona's video game. I, mean, I think we joked about that in the pilot, but like it really would make a lot of sense that this is all some sort of weird simulation because with all these like weird PLL callbacks that they keep doing, all these like recycled PLL plot lines, um, like maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's a, a crazy method to all this madness and that this actually is like some sort of video game simulation that Mona has programmed and that scene from the pilot is like the only real scene in the whole episode or something. I need something then where Allison's gone into somewhere and she's found some kind of details, like some kind of file on Claire Hotchkiss's desk. It's just like the snow globe initiative or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what the fuck is this? You know, ooh, ooh, I just thought of something. So yeah. in serenity spoiler, mm-hmm. by the way, for that movie too late, uh, the uh, lead character is trying to catch a fish. You know what that fish's name is? Justice! Boom. <laughs> does uh, does Anne Hathaway show up to get like abused by what's his name and be like, give it to me, daddy? <laughs> by Jason Clark, yeah. <laughs> Jason Clark is Professor Granger. Saying, a fish named Justice? A judge named Justice? Mm-hmm. Mm. For uh, a movie that I'm almost positive that no one making this show would have seen <laughs> by the time they were making the show. <laughs> I just like, is there some sort of reason beyond fan service for all these PLL callbacks? I don't know. And maybe that's uh, maybe that's why they're filming that top secret final scene for uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. <laughs> all right. Just just so like Mona can like dump Mason, walk out of a hallway and be like end simulation. <laughs> that would be amazing. Out of Mona's fucking personal holodeck. Yeah. So we got three episodes left this season. Next episode, S28, is Hook, Line, and Booker. The gang concoct a plan to turn the tables on Dana. Allie and Mona separately try to deduce how much they can trust Taylor. So we're still trying to trust Taylor. Also, did you did you happen to watch like the next time on or whatever? No, I think I just saw that little clip where she calls her Spencer 2.0. There's a, a controversial scene where Allie appears to be on a date with a dude. Uh, the mm-hmm. internet was not happy. Um, yeah, poor Marlene. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I totally understand why people would be fucking pissed about that. But it's like I think there's a way to express your dissatisfaction without like being horrible to the writers of the show at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Be respectful. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. I mean, to a certain degree, these people aren't idiots. I think 
whether it's right or wrong, they should know when certain things are going to cause issue. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't think I don't think people who craft Emerson are are that surprised when like they got some shit when like things were leaning towards Paley. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't mean they deserve like hate or or whatever. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the solution is there when as a writing team, if you know you're doing something that's going to just absolutely enrage a certain part of your fan base, like do you just do it and hope for the best? Is any kind of like pre-positioning before the season or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like again, the, 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 the thrust of this fucking show, Allison moves away from Rosewood without Emily and the kids and starts a whole life on the other side of the country. That was a big uphill battle for, to fight against essentially a weird conglomerate of fans. That's also the problem when your show fucking steers so hard into the ship, mm-hmm. like nature of it all. Like, remember when this was like a mystery show? Yeah. <sighs> well, I I would love to see some uh, some some sleuthing next episode. You know, some like, hey, what if we tried to figure out who Mason's killer is? Yeah. Or Nolan's killer, but Nolan's yeah, killer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mason dies, and then we try to figure out his killer. Nobody, it's like six nobody tries later, to figure it out. Yeah, it's like six months later, and Mona's just like Mason. and I had a whirlwind romance, and then he was violently killed. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, he was the greatest lover I've ever had because it's mostly off screen. <laughs> but I think like that was my perception of of Famous in Love. Again, I only saw like two episodes, but like that show, like seemed like it could have. It could have sustained a mystery element that would have made it very interesting, you know, especially with the the mysterious Hollywood nature of it all. Um, what ups? All right. Well, uh, I just want to say it's because I've noticed on Instagram comments. Thank you to Quill in the City on Instagram for mentioning us in your stories and your interest in trouble. Yes. Yeah, speaking of trouble, uh, as you know, we don't do ads on this podcast or Patreon or anything like that. We do it for the love. Uh, but if you'd like to support the pod, you can rate and review us in iTunes. And tell your friends about the pod. We did have two new reviews uh, this past week. One from Lena Chu and uh, one from Melina22. Thank you so much. We have an amazing amount of reviews. It's pretty incredible. Um, and if you want to support the show beyond that, you can think about going to mynameistrouble.com. We are publishing a book, hopefully in the next month. Uh, I think we're getting close there. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to see what the book is about, it's a, it's kind of like a teen murder mystery. There's a synopsis. There's an excerpt you can read. My name is trouble.com. Uh, very excited about it. Can't wait to get it in everyone's hot little hands. I think if you like PLL, you'll like this book. You're going to love this book, guys. Mm-hmm. And you don't take my word for it. Take Professor James's word for it. Yeah, so I mean... We're just waiting for one element, and then we start the the. I mean, you need a little behind the scenes, right? We're just waiting for one little element, and then we start like the yeah. Proofs. We're waiting for the cover art, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We start the proofs, and then we should have uh, um, pre-orders at least after that. I mm-hmm. mean, um, and then we're looking at um, maybe doing an appearance somewhere in LA. I mean, not like a, an appearance. Appearance. We'll we'll meet you at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> an appearance. Yeah. Or you, let's 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 we'll put be it this way. habitat. We're, we're gonna have like a, a fan meetup uh, in late May. If anyone's interested, yeah. we'll be here. We might be drinking alone, or come hang out with us. 
Yeah, trying to figure out the exact timing of what because we want to. Rec- I want to record the last episode of The Perfectionists together. I'm uh-huh. partially concerned that this might be the last episode of the show. I know the ratings for this last one were not the greatest. Yeah, I know it was. It was. It was a lot better. I would think. I. I. Di- I did enjoy this episode except for the Mason of it all. Well, that, that's the thing is I think there's like I said the, the there's foundations of the show which I just feel are not good, but mm-hmm. this episode itself felt like it was up a notch like both visually and writing wise it felt like it felt like a little more for lack of a better word like intelligent uh mm-hmm. like the college stuff you know it felt like oh yeah this this feels more like college here mm-hmm. so and i thought this episode was interesting because we're sharing talking about our book and yet the author of this episode is like a writer like a like a book writer um so of course i'm i'm fascinated about what brings Paul Yu into college murder mystery shows. But yeah, um, so that's why I want to record the last one together. So I think this might be like Memorial Day weekend, that's which is weird. <laughs> three weeks from now, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I guess that is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, quite possibly I'll, I'll we'll make travel arrangements or I'll make travel arrangements right after this. But uh, yeah, so somewhere in that weekend, you know, give us time to record and then we'll you, we can come watch us drink. And we might have copies of Trouble in our hands that can That'd be nice. Be handed out to you. Yeah. Like, but I think we talked before. Maybe we'll bring a couple of copies and we'll just give them to the first couple people who show up. Mm-hmm. Or if no one does, the bartender. Yeah. Hey, man, I ran out of money and I forgot my card. Will you take self-published books? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Really, fingers crossed. We hope to have a cover art out soon so you guys can see it. And then, uh, it's gonna be cool, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we'll see you next week for Hook, Line, and Booker. Hook, Line, and Booker. All right, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.